The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Seidel, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dolman here with Chris Samsa from VoicesOfWrestling.com. On today's show, we're looking at some stats from 2020, answering your question, and covering all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping a Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at SocialSuplex.com. Make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. And this episode is brought to you by NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like Dark Mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for jumping in. You know, the young boy is out on vacation, so you know how to bring in, you know, heavy hitter. Heavy hitter, yeah, with a lot to talk about. <laughs> Especially, yeah, during this uh, dry time, um, you know, the you know, when, when the Puro pause, as you called it, you know, all the Japanese shows are on shutdown right now due to the coronavirus, including our beloved uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Listen, if anyone can pull uh, a lot out of a little, it's me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy to be helpful here. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to talk New Japan. Haven't had a chance to talk New Japan in a while, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even if we're just making stuff up. <laughs> just pulling it out off the fly right here, man. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, you are the, the stat man. You know, you provide a lot of stats for, you know, Kevin Kelly and the NJPW broadcast crew. You do a lot of great stat work on wrestling.com and sportprowrestling.com. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about talk to you about um, you know, today is, you know, the stats in 2020. You know, we've had, you know, January and February full of shows, a lot of big matches, a lot of big moments. Just want to see if there was any kind of key stats that you've noticed so far in 2020. Yeah, I mean, the biggest standout for me is that it looked like 20, it looks like, I guess I shouldn't talk about 2020 in the, in the past tense. It's still going to happen. Um, but it looks like 2020 is the year of LIJ. So we've got um, 
top three winners right now in in, in overall uh, records in 2020. We've got Tetsuya Naito at 17 and five, Shingo Takagi at 18 and three, and Hiromu Takahashi at 17 and five. Also, so like those are the guys um, that are getting all of the wins. So um, and Bushi's up there too. He's got 15 wins. You've got Sonata and Evil with 11 and 15. So like those guys again, they're they're having a workhorse year when it comes down to it. Um, that whole group, but in turn, they're getting they're getting all these victories, and it's it would be tough to beat you know those top three Naito, Takagi, and and Takahashi right now. Like they're all champions, they are all strong champions. Um, so I don't know if the plan was for them to build them up as like the kind of undeniable force of New Japan, but um, that seems to be where they were headed. I mean, even Hiromu's got a plus twelve fall differential, which is just outrageous. Um, in what is that, twenty two matches? So like he's he's also getting the pins. So um, that's like my biggest takeaway on the winning side of things. Um, a guy that seems like they're trying to build up is Toa Hanare. Um, he's only six and eleven overall on the year, but he's um want to know he got the pin at uh the tokyo dome and so he's a guy i I think i would keep an eye on he's a guy i was going to watch pretty closely in the new japan cup um because it looked like he maybe they were going to give him one of those big wins you know um one of those kind of establishing like he's moving up the card type wins so yeah it feel like that that opening round match with ishii was kind of one of those ones to look out for like he could have pulled like a big upset there and kind of made a run new japan cup yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't really see a path much further than that, but, I mean, when it comes down to it, Ishii and Hanare were two of the challengers for that Never title. They were the two of the guys that were talking about getting after that Never title, and I think if Hanare were to get that win over Tomohiro Ishii, that could give him um, kind of an inside track on that on that next Never challenger, because I think Shingo's going to defend uh, for a while here. Yeah, I think uh, Shingo is going to be, you know, kind of rocking that never title for a good part of this year. I can see him having a very long, lengthy title run. Yeah, and I'm hopeful for that because I think um, Shingo's one of those guys that can wrestle. Uh, he can wrestle big guys and he can wrestle little guys and he can go. So and we saw that last year through Best of Super Juniors and then um the G1 he was just incredible through both tournaments so i think that um they got to line up some they got to line up some diverse um challengers for him and i hope that i was i was hopeful you know that that hanare this, that was going to be one of those like defining moments for him um and and i i am still hopeful for that i don't know nobody knows what the new japan cup's going to look like or if they're even going to do it um, haven't heard anything as of this recording. Yeah, they've um, been like radio silent as far as what's going to happen with the schedule and New Japan Cup. As of right now, they're still scheduled to kick off with the 15th or 16th, I think it is. And, you know, there's still New Japan Cup shows, but obviously they're going to have to do some kind of reconfiguration of that tournament and that tour. So I'm very curious to see when we're going to get an update or an announcement. Or are they going to cancel those shows, keep them going? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, you know, if you look for if you look for cues with some other companies over there, I mean, I think Dragon Gate's coming back, and they're going to start doing some shows. But I mean, New Japan is is really the company to they're going to probably be the most careful. They've got the biggest crowds, um, and they they're probably the most dependent on um, public perception. 
So um, it's tough to say. It's tough to say what they'll do. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as the as the day goes on here. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the world, but then in the world of stats, I mean, there's not a lot. Unfortunately, there's not a lot going on. Yeah. So um, those are but those are my key. My biggest key takeaways. I mean, is that like we may be seeing the further of the ascent of uh, of LIJ, which is, is something to watch out for. So what are evil and Sonata stats looking like? I'm assuming they're like on the losing end of things here. Um, so Sonata's got a zero fall differential. Um, so, but he's taken two. No, that's not him. He's taken one tag team losing fall and, and he's won one tag team match and he's got two trios winning fall. So he is doing okay. Uh, evil has a plus one fall differential. He's at 15 and six overall. So yeah, these guys, those guys are further down the list here. Um, nothing i mean but but still i would say like protected like it's once you fall into those negative fall differentials is that when you, that's when you start to know that you're the you're the pin eater you're the bushy <laughs> right so um he's only at a negative two too so i mean these guys are being you know they're being protected to a certain extent i mean there's a lot of belts on that group right now so unless they're setting up challengers i think it's it's tough for them to um it's tough for them to to eat a pin, uh, except for really, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's not an evil. The only two guys that can really can really take some pins right now. Right, and I feel like they've been trying to set up a story where those two guys are kind of been on like the the lower end of Lij and are trying to set their comebacks up. And I feel like New Japan Cup was going to be a big turn for both those guys, and potentially with those guys facing off in that um that bottom block there. It would have been very mm-hmm. interesting, especially, you know, former tag partners, former tag champions, both kind of in a slump right now. That would have been interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's a part of me that's hopeful that they just reblock it all and we still get that kind of lineup. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah. is, is there anyone that's surprising in the, in the negative kind of standpoint, negative fall differential? Let's see. Let's check it out. Um, I mean, you've got your usuals. You've got Dookie up there, uh, <laughs> negative. He, every every match he's lost, uh, he's taken the pin. So um, Honma, Nakanishi, Rocky Romero, negative three. I mean, that's not great. Um, no, I mean, I'm sure Chase Owens is going to work himself out of here. He's only one and nine right now. So like Bullet Club is on the other end of things. They're all losing all the time. So um and then you got Kota Ibushi at negative one. So that would probably be the most surprising thing is that we haven't really seen Ibushi um, kind of bounce back from um, his his losses in the double gold dash. So um, I think that obviously his time as t- a tag team champion is probably going to be fruitful in that way. But it seems like um, Tanahashi is, is doing the legwork there in the sense of the pins. Right. Um, and we know that that's a, that's a pretty important factor to, to how you get built up in New Japan. Right, so Tanahashi's probably gotten what I think he's gotten like almost all the falls in their tag matches, hasn't he? Or at least most sure. of them. Let me see. Click here. Tanahashi. So he is he's at a plus eight, and in his in the tag matches, he's well, he's only got one. So, um, but I think that I think the championship match was his only um, pure tag team two on two tag team match. Gotcha. So, yeah, and uh, you know, and we haven't really seen that progress. Um, we're ho- I'm still hoping to get that 
Dangerous Techers match. Yeah, that I'm definitely looking forward to that. And we've got some. It looked like they were definitely teasing that with how the brackets lined up there at the top with um, those opening matches with uh, I believe it was Abushi and Saber and Tanahashi and um, Taichi. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were gonna go. Um you know, one one versus the other, like one was going to win and one wasn't, or, or if we were going to get kind of the dream match or the the faction match, um, which could have been fun too in its own way, uh, either Ibushi versus Tanahashi or Taichi versus Saber. I always like when they throw that in the tournaments because um, you got to see how they strategize. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of scenarios set up in this tournament for faction members and tag team partners to face off. Um, with that situation, though, I felt like we were going to get end up with a one Tekker against one of the Golden Aces to kind of set that tag title matchup further. Um, yeah. And they're definitely telling the story right now of uh, Abushi kind of, you know, he's still on that, you know, that slump from the double gold dash. And now he's teaming up with Tanahashi and but kind of like in the kind of in the shadows of Tanahashi. And they're almost telling a similar story to when he was teaming with Kenny Omega um, before Kenny left New Japan, where he was kind of in that shadow of Kenny and, he, you know, he. He's second in Kenny during the, the Dominion match against Okada. It was really in the background that year, and they're almost saying that kind of same story up a little bit here. Seems like there's a lot of places that are going back to that story. <laughs> yeah. Of, uh, of when uh, when Kota and Kenny were were hanging out together. So um, it was a good story, though. So there's no shame in, in going back to it. But, yeah, um, I mean, part of me hopes – I mean, I'm a I'm Kota Ibushi guy. Like, he's – He's my guy. Like he's the guy that I want to see triumphant uh, at the end of, I guess this this cycle. But um, it could be a classic New Japan break him down and, and build him back up kind of thing. But who knows how long that story lasts? Uh, only Gato. Only Gato has a plan. Right, and we don't know how this break has affected that story because we don't know what his New Japan Cup path would have been. He could have been out in the first round, or he could have, you know, went on a run and maybe even gotten to the finals or something. Yeah, it wouldn't have surprised me if uh, ZSJ took him out in the first round. But it also, again, yeah, same deal. It wouldn't have surprised me if he got past, say, Tai Chi and then uh, Shingo or Will. I mean, like, there's a that that could have been a really that man. This was going to be a great tournament. Really bummed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think there's any way they fit it into five days. Um, but those would be those would be good shows. But I mean, you got Colt Cabana hanging out with AEW now and like they'd, they'd have to modify this. I don't think this bracket's going to look the same regardless of when they come back. So yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, nothing, nothing super surprising, but it's, it's a pretty small sample size when it comes to new Japan. Um, you know, the last time I was looking at these numbers really in depth was when I was putting together numbers for the, uh, voices of wrestling ebook. And we're looking at hundreds and hundreds of matches. So, right. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is a long-term uh, um, company, so and that that's really what I appreciate about New Japan. I think that's why the stats kind of work themselves out um, because they 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 build the story themselves and 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 they do a nice job. They they're pretty respectful of of this stuff, right? And the one thing too I love about New Japan, like kind of like AEW, but you know AEW they're they're putting their stats out. You, you see the stats on their website and on the you know the lower thirds when guys come out and they have the rankings that come out every week. But with New Japan, even though they don't you know, drop their quote-unquote stats or rankings. Uh, if you look at, like, your stats based on who's where people are on the card and how people are getting booked, they really do line up. The guys who are winning a lot, they're in the main events, they're challenging for the titles. The guys that are losing a lot, they're in your opening matches or, you know, they're lower down in the card. And so, yeah, I just definitely love that sports aspect and just how wins and losses matter in a company like New Japan. 
Yeah, and I think you know part of how I built like the the you mentioned my rankings. So like part of how I built the rankings was to like mimic what was going on in New Japan, but it's also just like I've 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 ported that over to AEW and even uh I've started to play with NXT and like New Japan's still the one that makes the most sense. Um and just like the the actual um the actual math of it and the time they get on TV, the time they get in the ring, um where they're placed on the card again like it's very sensible and like you know i am part of a lot of conversations where like yeah booking wrestling is really hard but it's also really easy um if you just like you look at it and you're like well that guy's gonna be a star so he should win right and it's like it that's the truth or like that guy's your champion so he shouldn't be eating a bunch of pins um in in non non-title matches so um yeah i mean even right now right now by my rankings like you've got okada at number four and that's he's he's still in that conversation of of one of the best, even though he's been kind of quiet. But he had a big win against Tai Chi, and um, he had the big win against Kota Ibushi. And you know, Okada's always going to be in that conversation too. Now, I don't think um, I don't think now's the time to pull the trigger on him again. But he's he's always going to be a a guy that is, you can get a meaningful win over when he's not a champion too. Right. And um, you know, if someone beats Okada, like they, they pretty much get up to the top of the line. Like, cause he's, he can play gatekeeper for a little while um, and take a couple of losses and eventually they can, they'll just heat him back up and he'll be Okada again. He'll do another year at the top, which is, you know, probably what we're in for, you know, at least within the next couple of years. So, um yeah it's just like it's really sensible stuff and and there are other companies that have have figured that out and but they usually figure it out short term and um new japan i think you could go back three four five years and it it, it would all line up yeah so who's in the the top 10 as of right now so my top 10 right now overall uh naito shingo hiromu okada tanahashi jay white show yo Bushi and Sonata. Nice. So yeah, you yeah. mentioned definitely dominated by LIJ, and yeah, it seems like this was a LIJ year. We got Naito with the double titles. They have they have the never six man title. Shingo has the never title. Hiromu has the junior title. They're getting ready to potentially challenge for the junior tag team titles. Him and Bushi. So yeah, LIJ definitely dominating those rankings there. Yeah, yeah, and like right behind that, then you've got like kind of that next tier is is Osprey, Zack Saber Junior, Taguchi. Goto, uh, somehow uh, Kojima got in there too. So, but um, yeah, so that's kind of that next tier. So, and that that makes sense to me too. So, um, and then surprisingly, you got Kenta at three and ten. I mean, like he he's the you know he, that's kind of one of those things where like there's always there's going to be kind of competition matches and there's going to be conflict matches, right? And so like Kenta built himself a conflict match by going and beating up. Uh, Tetsuya Naito at, at the end of Wrestle Kingdom, um, he was he he had no statistical right to be in that conversation, but you know sometimes if you can create a conflict, you end up with the title match, um, and that's not just in pro wrestling either. I think there's real you know you know true shoot sports that that happens in too. So, um, but yeah, every now and then you got to just pull the trigger on something like that. So Kenta, Kenta was one of those guys too. I, I, I had fielded a lot of questions of like, how do you feel about Kenta being a, in a title match? And I was like, sometimes, you know, the champion decides who they want to fight. So, right. Um, like with Kenta, I was, that was the whole heat there. Like him, 
he's not deserving of a title shot, but he's getting one. But you want to see him get beat for what he did to Naito. And obviously they were because they sold out, you know, Saka Joe Hall for that show. And so that was the heat building up to that match. Undeserving challenger getting the shot. And also, too, I think with him getting a title shot, you can also have to look at his reputation. I mean, Japanese wrestling legend. He was a junior heavyweight that won the GHC title. Like all the work that he did in Japan and just his body of work, it's hard to argue that he's not like, you know, a world-class wrestler. Like he's definitely capable of defeating anybody and being a champion. Yeah. I mean, he, he has the pedigree too. I mean, like that's the thing. So he, and also, you know, on, on new Japan, on the business side of things, like how long do you have Kenta at this level? Like he's not, he's not old, but I mean, why not heat him up? Right. And it, it could create some dissension with bullet club. I mean, there's a lot of different directions they can go here now. Um, cause you had Jay White talking like, Oh, of course I knew this was going to happen, but you know, Jay White's not the kind of guy, he's not the kind of character that's going to sit around and be like, and let someone be at the top of his unit. So, um, I think there's a lot of directions they can go there. I think the match with, um, Kenta and Naito was great. I think it was exactly what it needed to be. It, it, you know, it had me biting it at near falls. So, um, and they sold out, man. I mean, like drawing powers is a win here so um and i think part of it is a a little bit of a dig at at wwe and and the fact that they wasted their time with kenta so um and i don't know that they would ever say that but it kind of you know they're like hey this guy's this guy's great like let's let's use him to the best of his ability so um yeah i mean so it's it's been an interesting year so far for new japan i'm i'm curious to see how they put it all back together once they come back from this pause yeah, I mean, if anybody can do it, it's Gato, and I mean, they just have a stacked roster right there. So yeah, I'm sure whatever the master plan is, they're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna be ending up with another great year full of awesome matches and moments. Yeah, if I had to bet, I'd say Gato's got a plan A, B, and C, and and you know, whenever they pull the trigger to come back, we'll he'll he'll just put one of the plans in motion. Yeah. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for the stats talk there. Uh, one thing I also want to talk about is uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. So the awards dropped uh, last week in the recent edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which you can get on F4WOnline.com when you subscribe. And so all the awards came out. So I just want to go through the categories, talk about uh, who got ranked and the winners and stuff like that. So... We'll start at the top here. We have the Luthez Ric Flair Award, the Wrestler of the Year. Um, coming in 10, Kenny Omega. 9, Hoshi Tanahashi. 8, John Moxley. 7, Kota Ibushi. 6, Kento Miyahara. 5, Adam Cole. 4, Cody Rhodes. Number 3, Will Ospreay. Number 2, Kazuchika Okada. And then coming in first was Chris Jericho. Yeah, so I think that um, those top three could have landed in any order for me um and i i would have respected it but jericho um for what he's meant to the business this year um both with his his i mean really going all the way back to the first the first trip to japan with with kenny omega i mean but but really all of that kind of culminated this year with with aew and continuing to work new japan um i don't think that it would have been tough to go a different direction than, than Chris Jericho at number one. So I, I, I understand why a lot of people would have voted for him. I know in ring, you know, if you're just looking at, at, at that or like the, the dr- pure drawing power, like number of tickets sold, I mean, you've got to look at Okada, but 
um yeah no i i have no issue with chris jericho winning wrestler of the year in in 2020 as as surprising as that is if you would have told me that three years ago yeah i mean if you would have told me that like five ten years ago you know chris jericho is still going to be going and he's going to be on top of his game and he's going to be the wrestling observer newsletter wrestler of the year i'd be like what <laughs> the guy that's playing in father right, right now <laughs> Yeah, via a trip to Japan, really. I mean, via via an angle with with Kenny Omega, um, that really kind of set things in motion. I mean, like, who would have believed it? Right, and so yeah, and like you mentioned, like he had this impact on you know New Japan and AEW. I mean, AEW a, a pretty much a startup promotion, and being able to draw those TV ratings, pay per view buys. You know, he hasn't lost a quarter um, hour on TV yet, and he's just so valuable to that promotion. And AEW's had great success and then obviously his stuff in new japan has been great as well so being able just to be dominant in both companies and help both companies especially on the new japan side helping with the new japan world subscriptions obviously whenever jericho is featured on new japan uh, we see a little spike in new japan world subscriptions in in the west so he's been valuable to both companies yeah and i mean i think that's the that's the trick for wrestler of the year i mean it's it's really it's, it's a all-encompassing, you know, um, drawing power, TV ratings, um, tickets, and 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 to have some sort of global presence. So, and, and Chris Jericho certainly has that. Yeah. So next, we had the most outstanding wrestler award. So number ten, we had Kenny Omega. Number nine, Adam Cole. Number eight, Kento Miyahara. Number seven, Ray Phoenix. Six, Johnny Gargano. Number five, Tomohiro Ishii. Number four, Shingo Takagi. Number three, Kota Ibushi. Number two, Kazuchika Okada. And number one, Will Ospreay. I mean, this was one that was, it would have been just by pure volume of of, of work and of high quality work, like Will Ospreay was was the guy. So there was there was really no, there's no way around this. I mean, he, man, he wrestled in so many good matches and so many matches in general. So um, it would be tough to say, anybody else had a more outstanding in-ring year than Will Ospreay. Uh, and and to be honest, even looking back at a couple of previous years, like Ospreay would have won a couple couple of previous years too. So um, even over himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the body of work he had in 2019, and not only just a body of work, but the, the quality of it also. Wrestling all over the world, having four-star plus matches pretty much every time he's out there, even in tag team scenarios, this guy was all over the place. You know, he's won several uh, websites wrestler of the year award i mean he won our keeping a strong style uh, wrestler of the year last year and um, i know he's won several awards and just had a great year in 2019 and we said that whole top five there all new japan guys dominated just showing you you know the quality of the in-ring work in new japan um, you know despite what guys like nick aldis you know <laughs> complain about you know there's, there's a reason why people love new japan and um, just the, the quality of matchups just shows you right there that look at that 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 top five is all dominated with the New Japan guys. Yeah, and 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 even even all the way down to Ishii. I mean, like who 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 outside of New Japan would you take over uh, Ishii? I mean, it, it depends how you feel about Ray Phoenix. I mean, he's the first guy on this list that I think like yeah, I'd love to see him in in New Japan. But even so, I think like well, they've got Ryu Lee. So yeah. I mean as much as I'd like to see that, that matchup, um, you know, I mean, like 
that's new japan's got the roster that that you would want if you're trying to put together a great in-ring product and and i think that's why it transcends things like language and and time zones and things like that because like you put it you put it on the tv and and it speaks to you and they tell the story in the ring right that's it's it's great like you have two guys they they have a conflict and they settle it in the ring and have a high paced hard hitting athletic contest and, and, it, and it's awesome like we don't need you know somebody cheating on somebody and somebody trying to take somebody's wife or all that other you know crazy gimmicks it's like just straight up in the ring two guys you, you have the belt i want it or i think i'm better than you and i'm going to prove it just very simple in ring you know high quality stuff yeah i mean did you did you catch the um, Daniel Bryan Drew Gulak match uh, last night? I have not heard great things about it. It's on my list to catch on. I, I, I kind of missed out on Elimination Chamber uh, last night. I didn't think it was going to be that great. I think I just I would just cherry pick what what uh, you know the top matches. And yeah. so yeah, I've been hearing great things about Bryan and Gulak. So, but that's the thing. Like they found a reason to fight. They booked the match. They had a really good match. I mean, we'll see where they go from here. But like. It was fun to watch. It was simple. It's easy storytelling. And it ate up 20 minutes of their far too long pay-per-view. But like it was the best 20 minutes. It was at the beginning. So I mean, like sometimes that's all it comes down to. It's just like create a, a small reason to have a match because that's what these guys do. They have matches and then let them pay it off and, and have someone win and then move on or do it again, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna recommend anything outside of uh, New Japan, something inside of the the WWE bubble, like that match was really fun. Nice, and you know, here with uh, Osprey with winning the most outstanding wrestler, you know, he had five matches rated five stars or better, and seventeen matches rated four star four and a half and better. So just again, just showing the quality that Osprey put out in that year, and I'm sure there's probably even more like four star four and a quarter matches um, in that range also. Yeah, so what's your take? What do you think Osprey's going to do now that he moves up to heavyweight? Like, do you think he's still going to be in this conversation for most outstanding, or do you think um, do you think he's going to fall back for a year or two? Like, what's, what's your read on where he's headed? Yeah, I think he'll still be in the most outstanding category. I mean, we saw, you know, the, the junior title match against Hiromu. I definitely think he, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be wanting to have, um, you know, high-profile matchups and, you know, still trying to be the best wrestler in the world. You know, he's coming here to Tampa for a lot of uh, WrestleMania weekend shows. He's still doing he's the Rev Pro Champion, now doing stuff in the U.K. once again. So I think it's going to be another year where he's going to be kind of all, all over the place, putting out high-quality matchups. And I think he's going to also have another great G1. Um, yeah, because he's not, he's not going to be in Best of Super Juniors or, you know, any of the junior tournaments, but he's going to be in that... Uh, the G1 tournament and any other heavyweight tournaments I'm sure they have later this year. I'm sure he's going to have a lot of big programs. I could see him potentially jumping back in that never division, especially with Shingo as the champion. I know they had that first round matchup set up with those guys. So I definitely think they're probably going to maybe do a little, another like kind of a Shingo Osprey rivalry this year. And, um, you know, Osprey slayed the dragon best of super junior. So I definitely think, now both are heavyweights. It would have been a great story to see what would happen now. Both as heavyweights in that never division. Could Shingo, you know, finally overcome Osprey? Would Osprey be able to beat him again? So I definitely think this year is going to be great for Osprey, and just that heavyweight division is really going to benefit from him there. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this this may be a year where you have to follow Will Ospreay around a little bit. I think he may do he well. He's already done really good work outside of New Japan. Um, his match with um, Zack Saber Jr. At, at Rev Pro when he won the belt was awesome. So um, I think that that would be my only my only concern in the sense of people being exposed to it is because if people are just following New Japan last year, they saw almost everything he did. I mean, they they saw a significant amount of what Will Ospreay did. Um, I think this year, like I said, you might have to you might have to follow him around, but he's a guy that can get people to follow you around. So, like you know, I'm sitting on a Rev Pro subscription now. Um, so he's um, he's 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 gonna do some good for the the global business, I think, and I think that that's awesome. Yeah, and especially you know now with him being full on heavyweight, he's not gonna be probably on a lot of those junior tours. Like he's probably not gonna be on the best of super junior tour unless he's going to be tagging with somebody from chaos on an undercard. So in a month like that, where there's a lot of shows and he's going to be off of, he's probably going to be in a rev pro, maybe even maybe ring of honor or some other promotion, uh, maybe on Australia, who knows he's going to be somewhere else getting those reps in and having great matches. So great point there. Yeah. You're going to have to probably keep your eye on him to see where he goes in between those times where there's, when there's junior tournaments going on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So then uh, up next, we have Tag Team of the Year. At number 10, we have Mark and Jay Briscoe. Number 9, we have the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles. Number 8, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Number 7, Go Sh- uh, Shiozaki and Kachuko Nakajima. Number 6, we have Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa. Number 5, we have Suwama Suji and Ishikawa. Number 4, we have Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz. Number 3, Red Dragon, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Number 2, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, and then number one, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Bros. There's not a lot of New Japan on that list. Right. You know, this is something, obviously, if you are a New Japan fan and you've been watching New Japan for a while, you know the tag team division has never really been a key focus for Gato. We've always kind of gotten this slump where you've had two or three teams kind of just bouncing the belts back and forth for the most part. Um, Also, you know, G.O.D. has been one of those teams that have been kind of the staple of the tag team division over the last few years. And, you know, they got up pretty high there. Number six, I mean, they were the IWGP tag team champions for a majority of last year. They were also the Ring of Honor uh, champions. They had that uh, pretty good feud with the Briscoes um, last summer as well. Some um, pretty good matches for G.O.D. there. And so, yeah, so they're up there in that six. But, yeah, not a lot of New Japan representation. I mean, Birds of Prey got on there, and, um, you know, they didn't win any titles, but they had a lot of great matches. Yeah, they had a good run. They were they were interesting, and I think that they are worthy. I mean, if I'm just looking at this list and then the honorable mentions, um, I think this list will look a lot different next year. Um, I think that there will be some extra AEW representation next year. Um, even though, I mean, I guess you could, you could say the Pentagon and, and Phoenix are definitely their Most of their work or most of their, their most visible work is in AEW, but um, they're kind of global too. Um, but yeah, I think that they've built up a couple of tag teams that will, that will break themselves into this. And, and I think if, if new Japan doesn't do anything with their tag division, um, they're gonna they're gonna be in trouble um, it, to some extent. Like the, it's just gonna be a, a wasted set of belts, two two sets of belts really. So, um, Osprey and Eagles were like a, a little blessing in disguise for them. They just put on like you know what half a dozen just phenomenal, really fun matches, and um, 
you know, and I think that maybe we've maybe they've struck uh, they've struck gold here with Tanahashi and Ibushi putting on some dream matches that can can build up some some challenging teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to tough to tough to look at that list and say who in New Japan like deserve would deserve to be on it. I I don't particularly agree with um, God being as high as they are, even to be perfectly honest, but. Um, tag team wrestling is kind of a lost art that I think is it's going to make a comeback here. Yeah, and especially you know with Golden Aces, Tanahashi and Ibushi, with those guys with, as the champions right now. Once things kind of you know get back in action, I, like you mentioned, there's a lot of dream matches they can have, and depending what the plan is, like if those guys hold the belts majority of this year, then I could see a Tanahashi and Ibushi getting on here, and if you do more stuff with Dangerous Techers or you create more of these super teams. Uh, New Japan does have a shot to kind of shake things up here. Um, you know, if you, you get Rapungi 3K in there with some good teams, maybe you use ELP and Taiji some more, bring in, you know, export in some, you know, import in some tag teams for these juniors to wrestle. I think, um, you know, Rapungi 3K, there were honorable mentions here. They could have a chance on kind of getting up there and then um, Ishimori and ELP also. Yeah, and I think part of that is is card placement too. I mean, like, you got to you got to start giving these guys some spots to, to draw. I mean, whether it's cork and shows or um, even just kind of the, some of the smaller road two shows and like put some title defenses out there and, and, and give them a, give them a chance. Um, especially when you've got two big draws holding the belts. I mean, you've got Tanahashi and Ibushi holding the belts. So, um, you know, if they can, if they hold on to it, I mean, those are guys that if they defend at Madison square garden, you know, I mean, like, even if that's where they lose the belts um, to someone that they've built up, I mean, like, that could be a really fun match. It could draw an American crowd without a doubt. And um, you could you could have a lot of fun with that. And they could put on a 30, 35 minute great tag team match like those guys are smart. So um, you build up a good team and, and someone that you want those guys to fight. And, and maybe that's maybe that's the opportunity to, to get those guys on the card in a, in a meaningful place. You put it um, maybe even in like the semi main um, that, that wouldn't surprise me, especially because those guys are super over in America. Right. Yeah. That would be awesome. And you know, those guys don't, they're going to be in the heavyweight title picture probably around that time. So why not have them in a semi main event against some kind of super team? That would be great. Yeah. I mean, just put four guys in the ring that you know can go. And that could be that could be a really good time. I'll I'll probably be there to see it. Yeah, I'm planning on going there too, as long as you know coronavirus doesn't extend any longer and you know shut us down all the way up to then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's not let's not speak that evil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so up next we got best on interviews. Number ten, Samoa Joe. Number nine, David Starr. Number eight, Daniel Bryan. Number seven, Becky Lynch. Number six, Nick Aldis. Number five, Zack Saber Jr. Number four, John Moxley. Number three, MJF. Number two, Cody. And number one, Chris Jericho. So obviously not a huge New Japan representation here once again, just basically because of the the language barrier. Um, and so obviously watching Japanese promos with subtitles, it's kind of hard to really uh, tell if a guy's really kind of good on the promo. I mean, what, what they're saying, like what it translates sounds good, but once again, I'm sure a lot of the readers, it's kind of hard to really pick it out, so... Yeah, and, and in the world of interviews, like you have to seek out New Japan interviews or, or promos, however you want to call it. Um, you have to go and find them, and they're usually on YouTube. And and they're 
I mean, they're easy to find once you know where they are. And and New Japan does a great job subtitling and and getting them up pretty quickly and 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 keeping people up to date. But I mean, John Moxley during the G1, his post matches were just awesome. Um, he he really built his current character in Japan, I think, and he he's brought it over with him into America, obviously. But um, man, the time him hanging out with Shooter and him just like dragging that little young line around with him i mean like what was better than that like you you it was he's got this fine line of like serious but comic comedy and like you know he, he's even talked about it in interviews that like that was actually his demise with with vince mcmahon um once he knew he had some some co- comedic timing but i mean like his man that stuff during the g1 i had to seek out every day every day he had something to say and i i enjoyed it and then like um you know pat beyond that he's just been he's been awesome uh he's been really good in aew but i mean his his uh new japan stuff is is actually far far better than um the his aew interview stuff i think like he's just got he's kind of got carte blanche to just go in and and say some stuff and (laughs) and he's funny and but he's also like serious and he can he knows when to turn turn which direction so um him at number four is i think a that's a crime um, cause he, he has been my favorite guy to, to seek out this, this year. Yeah. Like you mentioned that whole relationship with shooter. I mean, he got, um, Omino over with those promos. Like everybody loved that duo and, you know, Omino goes over for uh, Royal quest and he's getting these loud, let's go shooter chants from the whole arena. So the power of those, those Moxley promos got the shooter over there. And I know he's having a good little run there in ref pro right now, but yeah, Moxley, you know, since leaving WWE, you know, just showing why he was great in the first place. And, yeah, those promos have been great. And, like you mentioned, kind of translating over to AEW, and every week he's kind of doing great stuff there as well. Uh, number five, we have uh, Saber, New Japan guy. And Saber's another guy who has um, hilarious um, backstage interviews after the matches. You know, he, he was kind of on a, a losing streak last year. He was in a slump and, you know, uh, cursing Boris, jo- Boris Johnson and just kind of going off in his rants and tirades, you know, you know, throwing tables and water bottles after um, losses was also hilarious. I, he's phenomenal too. I mean, like another one that I'm just going to seek out every time um, and continue to do so. I mean, he's just like, I, he's one of those guys where you look at him and you're like, where did that come from? Like, how did, did he, he's they They're just thinking on the fly and they're speaking and they're yelling and they're, you know, they're completely outrageous. They're pro wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They're crazy. Like they're nut jobs. Um, and these two guys together, which is, uh, you know, a direction I'm hopeful that they're, they're still going to go. That's going to be some fun promo stuff. Yeah. Um, they were already uh, just after uh, Zack Sabre Jr. attacked Moxley. Like they, they, they both did little, basically little blurbs and they were just hilarious. I mean, like, John Moxley called Zack Sabre Jr. the human fucking udon noodle. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, this is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to be real easy for these yeah, guys. No. John- Jonathan Moxley. <laughs> Jonathan Moxley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Come on back to Japan and give me that match. Let's go. Give me some promos before it, too. Yeah. And then in the honorable mentions for this, we uh, we had Jay White and Will Ospreay as New Japan guys. And uh, Jay White, I think he's really great when it comes to interviews and promos. You know, during um, the G1 in Dallas, we had a, a chance to be there, a young boy and I, in that uh, that presser. And when, when Jay White came in there, he just kind of owned the room. And he's very confident in that Switchblade character. And he 
totally owns his persona and he truly believes in every uh, single thing he says. And when he's talking, you you get that vibe from him. So um, I think it's one of those things where people are probably not a big fan of his work and once again, not really seeking out the New Japan promos, but I think um, Jay White on the mic is excellent. Yeah, Jay White, um, he was really entertaining um, leading up to Wrestle Kingdom in all of those press conferences. Um, he is really good at the press conference, um, the press conference kind of dynamic. Um, Osprey, too. I think that's where he shined the most, though. Osprey did some really good post match um or like uh show ending promos too um i think my favorite osprey promo or speech was um after he faced amazing red at um shoot super jacob, super jacob. yeah yeah super yeah, jacob that was great um man that speech was heartfelt and real and like i think osprey um i think he on the other side of things like same deal like he he believes everything he says and he says everything he believes and um most of that is is kind-hearted and he you know he, he kind of tries to play the role of the kind of dopey baby face but i think he's super genuine so um but i think that's part of the trick is like turn you know turn yourself up so if if osprey is just like a sweet and genuine guy that's what you do as in a promo if jay white's kind of a dastardly heel no it works too um so i think that i think those are guys that could rise up this list um if we see some guys some well i guess people because you got becky lynch on there if you yeah. see some people fall off i mean depends how much david Starr talks this year i don't know he's he keeps losing his outlets but um you know i think you could see jay white and osprey get onto that top 10 that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah, Osprey already with that, you know, that another great, great speech after the Rev Pro title match, winning the title from Zack Sabre. That was another kind of great, heartfelt, genuine speech there. Especially if he's going to be doing some more Rev Pro stuff or maybe even some more Ring of Honor stuff, he will have the opportunity to kind of cut those um, English promos and out there for people to see. So I definitely think Osprey does have a great chance um, ranking up uh, next year. Yeah, I agree. So next up, promotion of the year. So at number 10, we have All Japan Pro Wrestling. Number 9, OTT. Number 8, Triple A. Number 7, DDT. Number 6, Stardom. Uh, or tied for 6, we have Stardom and Dragon Gate. Um, at 5, we have the UFC. Number 4, the NWA. Number 3, WWE. Number 2, All Elite Wrestling. And then number 1, New Japan Pro Wrestling. In a landslide. Um, yeah, 744 first place votes. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's significant. Um, and no, no surprise there. Um, I also think the Wrestling Observer newsletter, um, readers are New Japan fans, obviously. Um, I think that that is that's typically apparent in these awards, it's typically apparent in Dave's coverage. Um, but this is, I mean, when you've got a company like all elite wrestling, putting on really great shows, um, through most of the year, um, probably with better visibility to most of those readers, this is, uh, still a pretty big win for new Japan. So, um, they still have, they've still got this audience for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've won this award, uh, 15 times overall now. And obviously last year they had their know best attendance in nearly 20 years and some of this the tournaments i mean best super juniors g1 super g cup um just uh this had a lot of their best tournaments last year 
Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to the tournaments, I mean, best of super juniors is the best tournament I've ever seen, without a doubt. G1 right next to it, too. I mean, like, I, uh, if I wasn't such a fan of junior heavyweight wrestling, the G1 would have been my favorite tournament of the year. So, um, you know, my my preference is is kind of the New Japan style of of junior heavyweight. So, best of super juniors was, whew, man, that. I was getting up at four in the morning every day for those tournament <laughs> shows. Like I just like I couldn't get enough of it, and I, I wanted to see it as it happened. And I was I would wake up and think like oh, I'm just gonna roll over, and then I'm like now nah, I'm gonna turn it on. Um, and that was that was such a great tournament, and like just ending it on you know the pretty much consensus match of the year of Osprey and Shingo. I mean, um, that was that was incredible, and like the G1 just had the highest quality you know matches of any block tournament i've ever seen too so yeah that's um, just incredible you know shingo ishii yokata will literally there are so many great matchups you know the the intrigue of uh, john moxley being in there and kenta and just all the great stuff all the great matchups man that i can just you know just just reminisce and think about how great that tournament was yeah i mean and the g1 uh had fewer peaks and valleys than best of super juniors but i think the, the best of super juniors uh had higher highs but i mean either way they both built towards a great year for new japan a great drawing year the ability for them to run bigger venues this year um for some of their key shows so um and and honestly last year like a a huge moment for new japan was them selling out the garden in america and and doing that big show and i think that that um i think that that brought them i mean that that almost created a shoe in type situation for promotion of the year, regardless of what all the wrestling did, because it, again, it was one of those things that was really important for American pro wrestling business is someone else sold out the garden, put on a hell of a show and, um, you know, said, we're here to, we're everyone else is here to play and, and WWE is not the only game in town. So, um, that was a big moment and I hope they have another big moment, uh, this summer. Yeah, that'll be great. And also, you know, they had those those uh, the Northeast tour they did the uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour, and you know, like Hammerstein and New York, Boston, all that did that that Northeast area. That that tour went off pretty well, and selling out those you know famous like indie buildings um, with those those cards was another kind of big moment there too. So yeah, New Japan they've made a lot of moves in the U.S. and just over you know between business Japan and U.S. match quality like they just had an excellent year. And there's a reason why this was the eighth year in a row that they won the award. So it's New Japan just on a roll. Yeah, they're and they're going to be tough to to take down here. I mean, even even with AEW doing what they're doing, like the magnifying glass is so heavy on what AEW does that anything that they do that's not great is going to get talked about. Um, and I think that actually turns people off from from the promotion. Whereas anything that New Japan does that's not good is just oh silly Japanese people. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, I think that they're. New Japan has this cachet with with wrestling fans uh, in general that I think that they get a little bit of a pass on some of the the uh, the more egregious booking or, or uh, tactics that they use. Yeah, and uh, you know, AEW will have a little bit of an advantage just having weekly television in the United States. Obviously, it's a little bit more easy to watch and follow, so I think that might play a little bit in where um, AEW if they could ultimately surpass New Japan next year. Um, but we'll see. Just it, just it really comes down to those match qualities. If we can have another excellent Best of Super Juniors in G1 and we sell out the Garden again, then uh, I think it's a, another lock for New Japan for me. 
yeah, I think it'll get closer, but I think I think New Japan's still got as long as assuming they come back um, sometime soon here. I think they've got another year on lock uh, before they they really need to be watching behind them. Yeah. Um, but speaking of weekly TV, so next category was the uh, best weekly TV show. Uh, number 10, we had the AEW Road 2. Number 9, Impact Wrestling. Number 8, AEW Dark. Number 7, Beyond Uncharted Territory. Number 6, MLW Fusion. Number 5, Being the Elite. Number 4, New Japan on Access. Number 3, NWA Power. Number 2, NXT. And then number 1, AEW Dynamite. Um, so obviously with New Japan, um, Access was the only kind of real thing in contention. And um, now that TV deal is gone. So obviously they're not, they're not going to be ranking for that. And I know there's been rumblings on them looking at a new potential TV deal there. Yeah, I've heard that too. And, and I think it might be a focus of theirs um, considering their move into primetime in Japan. Um, it might be easier to um, kind of share the production um to to those shows but um and 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 put something out that's current and relevant in america um but i you know i I, i've never been one to watch new japan on on television just because i'm i always want to watch the whole show so i i never watch the access show i don't get access either but um you know i i understand that that's a um it's obviously a plus and and if you want to be a growing market but um I think right now there's so much pro wrestling on regular TV that I don't know that you can wedge yourself in and, and, and even find your audience right now. So I don't, I don't know that TV and we, we talked about this on the show in the past, the last time or one of the last times I was on, like, I don't know that, I don't know that TV is, is the way to get to, to build your audience right now, just because it's so overloaded. I mean, hardly anyone's watching impact and impact's always been a, a player in this game and and um you know they they don't even register on on the nielsen ratings at right now so you've got a you've got to hunt and pack for those for those numbers so um you know i think new japan could benefit from doing more current stuff on youtube when when they get some buzz on some matches and, and put the english broadcast up and um so people don't have to find it on the high seas but um i think right now it, it may be time to lay low from that platform and, and let AEW and, and, and the rest of these guys kind of battle it out and, and create some space when, when they, they end up uh, either falling off or, or building themselves up to be like raw where you just habit viewers. And, and that does actually create space for um, other promotions to, to build TV. So. And uh, I'm glad you brought up YouTube. Cause if you look at this list, there are a lot of, YouTube based shows that are on here. You got uh, AEW Road to AEW Dark, uh, MLW Fusion, Being the Elite, NWA Power, who came in number three. Those are all shows on YouTube. And I definitely agree with you. I think um, New Japan, they have kind of the content and the library and the talent and resources to do some more stuff on YouTube with recaps and shows. I know they've done stuff like the recount and some other like top 10 countdowns and stuff like that. And um, they throw out the post-match interviews, but I think they could package something together weekly that could compete with some of these YouTube shows that made the list here. Yeah, and I mean, I agree, and I just think that the the only thing they're missing is like a consistency, because um, they could if they if they built out a show that was going to be on YouTube weekly, and it could maybe have you know whatever key match of the week. 
um, something current, and then one of those recount type pieces or something Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton or um, any any of those guys do, um, they could pull something together that um, that could be a nice weekly. 40 minute to an hour update show and you get one match and it, it kind of plants the seed for people who want more of this style. Um, I think that, I think that could be, I mean, it's an investment, but I think it could grow uh, new Japan world subscribers for sure. Especially because it seems like they're really committed to doing a lot of English content this year. Um, I mean, all these shows in March were supposed to be English content and I know they're tournament shows, but I mean, everything as they were happening live with English commentary. I mean, that's, that's quite the investment. So they're they're ready to do it, I think. And and I think it would be nice if they had something um online beyond the the post match promos and like the miscellaneous recount type stuff that they do a great job with that stuff too. I mean, um they've they pulled together some really nice, you know, kind of catch up stories. So um yeah, we'll see. I, I know that there's a lot of conversation uh within New Japan about what to do um with american broadcast or or uh american kind of update style stuff and, and but i haven't heard much more past the fact that they they are having a lot of conversation about it yeah same here and then just you know with youtube just the, the power that 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 platform can have and you look at being the elite i mean that was the driving source for all in like there there was no tv leading up into all in it was pretty much all being the elite that sold those ten thousand tickets and uh, NWA Power, they've had, what, like three or four pay-per-views now that have all kind of sold out and done well on, like, Fight TV. So there is some power in YouTube. I know, obviously, like, having a big-time cable deal is would still be great, but YouTube is a very valuable tool, and if you're on there consistently and putting out great content, we've seen with stuff like being the elite and NWA Power that you can get your brand over and you can sell tickets based off YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's something definitely worth exploring. I don't know the kind of I don't know what the Japanese culture around it is. Like I don't know what their their thought process around kind of giving something away. I mean, if you look at New Japan World, like they don't even do free trial, right? So, um I think that um I'd be curious to hear what their general thoughts on on doing stuff like that is. I mean, the Bushi Road did just do the free show with Stardom though. So, um, maybe that was a research piece uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me to see kind of what it was looking like. Yeah. So up next we have a pro wrestling match of the year. So number ten we have John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White, Walter versus Tyler Bate. Number seven Young Bucks versus Pentagon Junior and Phoenix. Number six Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii. Number five John Gargano versus Adam Cole from Brooklyn. Number four, Kuzco Okada versus Will Ospreay. Number three, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. Number two, Roshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom 13. And then number one, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from that Best of the Super Junior final. Yeah, I mean, that was my match of the year. I don't know about you. Yeah, that was my match of the year also. That also won our Keeping a Strong Style match of the year. I know it won a lot of match of the years across the board from different um, wrestling publications and uh, I mean, we've played this match over and over again. It's just, um, that match is just amazing. Like, I've watched that match multiple times, and it's just some great stuff. Yep. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, I can't, uh, 
I can't say much more about it. I mean, except that it was, that was an incredible match. It had great stakes. It was, I was ready for it. It had, the buildup was great. The two blocks, you know, you kind of knew who was going to win both blocks, but you know, they still, they had fought for it. It was the end of a tournament. I mean, everything kind of came together for that match. So, and I'm not like a matches guy. Like I'm not like a single match, like watch it and, and watch it in a vacuum kind of guy. So like, I need everything to kind of come together for me to really have a, a match of the year. Um, and that match, man, I, I didn't know who was going to win. And I thought that was cool. Like I, you know, I, it's just like, I was, I was biting on near falls and I was, I was, standing and pacing as as the voices of wrestling guys like to say <laughs> yeah um like that's the that's the key if you start standing up and pacing around the room because you don't know what's going on you're like stressing out that's the key of a of a match of the year contender right there yeah and i for sure thought that shingo was going to win just based off how he tore through his block how he they've been building him up in that even before a tournament i was like oh well yeah, Shingo Will is going to be a great match, but Shingo is going to win and, you know, move on. But no, man, that was a huge, I popped big. That that, that combo, you know, the hidden blade and the Stormbreaker and the super off cutter. I was just like, oh my gosh, like he did it. He <laughs> so, did it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, geez. Br- what brilliant booking, though. I mean, like, you just, you build him, you build him, you build him forever. From the moment he steps into the promotion, you build Shingo Takagi. And then you give Will Ospreay the big win at the best of Super Juniors. And then Shingo says, F it, I'm out. I'm going heavyweight immediately. Like, no, no more of this junior stuff. He's he's gone. <laughs> yeah. It was and he's been pretty unstoppable since then. I mean, like he's he's struggled a little bit, but not nothing significant. He's still he's still my guy too. So yeah. yeah, what a great I mean, what a great match. I can't, I don't know, man. I could write thousands of words about that match and how awesome it was. And I would probably just use the word awesome a million times. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome over and over again. And um, New Japan here had uh, six of the ten top matches. So just once again, just showing what we've been talking about, that quality of New Japan, just that high pace, uh, strong style, athleticism, just two guys going in there and just having uh, great matchups there. And um, this list kind of mirrored, for the most part, my overall top ten as well. I think the only two things that, that weren't on my personal list were Cody and Dustin and... Um, Johnny and Adam Cole were the only two matches that weren't on my overall top 10. No, you weren't into Cody and Dustin, huh? Like, I, I thought it was a very good match, but I didn't think, I don't think I went five. I think I might have went like four and a half on it. I can't remember now, but I mean, I thought it was a great match, but for me, it just wasn't, I don't know. Yeah, so like I, I did a little blurb for my Voices of Wrestling top 10 on that match, and I was like, why did I love this match so much? Like it, it, it was, it was fine. Right. I mean, we all know like Cody and Dustin Rhodes didn't put on a, you know, Tanahashi and Omega level classic. Right. So like, why are they in that same conversation? Um, it, you know, that is the outlier match on this, on this list when it really comes down to it, it is, it was not a work rate classic, but that match felt so important to American wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what it was for me is that that match felt really important for, kind of relevant american wrestling and it wasn't just like two guys coming over from japan and putting on a great match in america like these were american wrestlers working in american style so um i think that's you know like i said like i'm not a watch it in a vacuum and throw some stars on it kind of guy like that's not how i watch um that's not how i how i that's not how my brain works with wrestling now i can i can like respect a great match when i see it in a vacuum but um the 
the weight of that match and and its establishing factor for AEW was is kind of what really built it up for me. Where I I I finished watching that match and I was like, we might have something here. Yeah. Like I might have something to watch <laughs> in, in in on US television soon, and and that that was exciting for me. But yeah, um, and I mean, and it was a great story, great build. There were some great promos, kind of building up to that match. So yeah, I mean, it had a great story, great build, and just. A lot of drama in the match there. You didn't know kind of the angle they were going to do. And obviously Dustin gushing um, the, the crimson mask. Uh, that, so, yeah, I mean, it was a great match. Um, but, you know, I think my other two matches here are on the honorable mentions. Uh, that Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee match oh, from Dominion. So and uh, Jordan Devlin versus David Starr uh, from the October oh, okay, 26th yeah, yeah. show. Um, See that was a match I watched in a vacuum that I probably had. I, I it was probably my number eleven. That would have mm-hmm. that one would would have been on my. It was very close to my top ten. Um, I I knew nothing about those that match going into that that particular one in in October, and they did a great job with the promo package that they they put up with that with that match. And I I was you know I was standing and pacing for that one too that was a really good match and I think looking back on it that was is pretty telling for you know the direction of um of David Starr and Devlin going forward even yeah the, dude OTT has just been excellent with their promo packages their hype videos and David Starr's an awesome uh promo guy and so yeah just watching those promo videos and I've kind of been following the rivalry a little bit just really sucked me in there just the the atmosphere and the crowd and that Old double turn they were able to do there, getting the yeah. the crowd to kind of turn on Devlin there at the end. Was, I thought was, thought was awesome storytelling. Yeah, that was one of the hottest crowds I've ever seen watching a wrestling match too. And yeah. I think that that I think that makes a difference. And I think we're we'll probably talk a little bit about crowd or no crowd later uh, <laughs> in the show here. Yeah. All right. So now we're moving on to the the category B awards. I'm gonna kind of jump around to the more um, New Japan relevant ones. Um, so jumping down to the Japanese MVP. So at number seven, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi. Number six, uh, Kenosuke uh, Takashida. Number five, Tetsuya Naito. Number four, Kota Ibushi. Number three, Kento Miyahara. Number two, Will Ospreay. And number one, overwhelmingly, Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. There's no there's no way around that, really. Um I mean, you've got a, a pretty standard list of what you would expect here. I think, um, you know, Miyahara really important for AJPW last year, um, just in the sense of getting them in the conversation of, of of kind of the the wrestling fan watching some of their some of their stuff. So, but otherwise, I don't think there's there's anything on here. I mean, Tanahashi's still holding strong, right? So he's still he's still the ace, right? Um, yeah. So you've got. You've got they've they've got a lot to work with in New Japan still, so um, no no surprise here. Uh, a little I, mean, I guess a little surprise to see Osprey at number two um, in an MVP vote. So like valuable, you know, um, is he really drawing? Does he have the drawing power in Japan? Like I think so. I think he's he's getting there, right? Um, and he's you know, learned language, move there, and I think yeah. The, also, the think the key thing that helped him there was just his match quality. Um, last year oh yeah i mean like just the fact that he could he had so much output and so much output in singles matches um i think that 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 creates a a lot of value you can put him you know pretty high up the card and he's going to put out a 
a heck of a singles match with pretty much anyone. He could probably do it with a uh, a blow up doll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think next year we'll definitely see Naito probably a little bit higher after winning the double gold dash, uh, selling out Osaka Joe Hall there for that match with Kenta. So I think he'll probably closer to the top, maybe even fighting for number one, depending on the year Okada has this year and what Osprey does this year also. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hiromu jump up here too. Oh yeah, um, assuming he has a good run here and and some really awesome defenses and probably a good run in best of Super Juniors, um, I would I would bet we see Hiromu land on this list. And depending on what happens with All Japan, um, you know, maybe maybe Kento gets a uh, probably fewer votes um again depending on what happens with their business right if they uh turn into uh nxt japan (laughs) i guess i could work one way or the other i don't know yeah i don't want to talk about it (laughs) uh so up next we had the non-heavyweight mvp so at number eight we had el fantasmo number seven johnny gargano number six david Starr. number five el hijo del vikingo number four ray phoenix Number three, Shingo Takagi. Number two, Dragon Lee. And number one, overwhelmingly number one, Will Ospreay. Now, the story with the Category Bs is that it's just just one vote, right? Like one, it's not like a first through third like the uh, like the Category As. Is that is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that's why you don't have. Um, I think that's why these lists are kind of random amounts. Um, some of them are ten, some of them are seven. Um, yeah, I mean, Will Ospreay, he won't win this next year, but he certainly earned it last year. Um, and I would, I would love to see the rest of this list kind of stay the way it is and just drop Osprey off because I'm a huge Rio Lee fan, and I think um, you know he's primed to have a really good year um in in really both promotions ring of honor and and new japan that he's he's going to be working primarily so um and then you know shingo shingo is going to be right there too depending on um how much he he works non-heavyweight so this is going to be an interesting kind of evolving um category i think to to keep an eye on this year like who's really going to pop out of the juniors obviously you're going to have hiromu too so um there's going to be there's, it's probably going to come down to Hiromu or, or, or Ryu Lee. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking also. Yeah, with Osprey and Shingo gone, kind of opens up the door there for some of these guys to kind of move up. You know, Ryu Lee, he's uh, ROH TV champion right now, part of that new faction with his brother Roosh and Kenny King, and he's been doing great stuff in Ring of Honor. And then uh, Best of Super Juniors is right around the corner, um, so he's going to probably have another great tournament. So, yeah, between both promotions, um, I'm not sure how much he's doing in Mexico right now, but I think he can definitely uh, challenge for that top spot. Obviously, Hiromu being back full-time is going to be in that top spot. And then I think depending on what happens in Best of Super Junior, I think Robbie Eagles is a guy that we could potentially see uh, breakthrough on this list. Oh, man, I'd love that. The more the more times I can see the turbo backpack, the better. <laughs> yes. Um, I think a guy like Taiji Ishimori, he kind of had an off lap year last year i think if he kind of gets back in the groove i think he's a guy that could um you know potentially crack this list also oh yeah that wouldn't i mean he's he's definitely got the talent the pedigree it's just a matter of if he gets the opportunity to put on great matches instead of um kind of being tied into the the bullet club storylines yeah uh so the next awards here we have the the box the best box office draw so at number 10, we had L.A. Park, number 9, Ronda Rousey, number 8, Becky Lynch, 
Number seven, Cody. Number six, Kenny Omega. Number five, Nate Diaz. Number four, Kazuchika Okada. Number three, John Jones. Number two, Brock Lesnar. And then number one, Le Champion, Chris Jericho. So I think this list is interesting because you've got New Japan Promotion of the Year, one of their best draw drawing years um, in the last 20 years, right? Like Dave said mm-hmm. earlier uh, throughout this, this awards kind of write-up. And you've only got one really core New Japan guy on this best box office draw, right? So like, yeah, Okada's the guy that's going to sell some tickets, but the rest of that card is also selling some tickets, right? Because Okada's... Um, Okada's output wasn't that high last year. He didn't have that. I mean, he he wrestled a lot. He appeared on a lot of cards, but he wasn't necessarily featured on all of those cards. Right. So, um, so this is and and Chris Jericho only wrestled twice in New Japan last year. So, um, now they were big shows. It was um, Wrestle Kingdom and and Dominion. But um, so you can't say he's not selling some tickets for them. But I mean, New Japan is uh, they have such a deep roster that they can pull together one of their best business years really of, of all time and, and definitely the best in the modern era and only have only got one guy really on the best box office list and and i think this list is pretty true to who's who's selling tickets right and then also i think the thing with new japan along with obviously have building up guys throughout the years like tanahashi and okada and you have your naitos and your abushis i just think that they've done a great job of just building up the brand and so i think you know new japan pro wrestling is a a recognizable brand that you know it's going to deliver so even if okada might not be in the main event but you know if shingo and ishii's in the main event or hiromu and ryu lee or some other you know big match in the main event you know they're going to deliver um so they don't really necessarily need to focus in on that one guy that's going to be the main draw but obviously they're, they're still building up stars and Okada is definitely one of their still one of their top guys, and he's still so young, and he's probably going to be on this list for a long time. I mean, he's younger than me, so <laughs> good on good on him. Nice job, little Kaz. Um, I mean, I think the, the the best thing I can say about New Japan is like I buy New Japan T-shirts, right? Like mm-hmm. I buy Lionheart T-shirts and hats, and and you know, like that's how I want to represent my enjoyment of New Japan. I'm not necessarily buying much uh, products that has like a wrestler from New Japan on it. Right. Um, right. So like I and and part of that is like um, it's that like I trust that New Japan as a brand, they're not going to turn on me. Right. And they're not going to fall off a cliff like they've they've proven out that they've got this track record. Um, and they, so like I'm spending my money on things with that line mark on them more than I'm spending my money on things with even my favorite wrestler, Kota Ibushi, on it. So um, it it in itself is a is a box office draw. Now, they haven't necessarily proven that with the New Beginning Tour in America, things right, like yeah. that. Um, but I think when you know you're going to get true New Japan show, and I think that that's what we're looking at for Madison Square Garden, and I think that's what we looked at. I mean, we got much closer to that with that Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour last year. Um those were pretty good shows and they, they sold appropriately. So, um, you know, Okada, you, th- you throw him on a show, you're going to sell a couple extra hundred tickets. Um, you know, you put Chris Jericho on a show in America and you're selling 4,000 though. So, uh, reasonable that he's at the top of this list for sure. Yeah. I think, um, Naito might be a potential candidate for this next year, just based off of, uh, two nights of Russell kingdom, the, uh, new beginning Osaka, Sung outside with Joe Hall, and just depending on how the rest of his title ring goes, he could probably 
crack this list. I'm maybe knock off L.A. Park there at the bottom. Uh, Ronda Rousey, she hasn't done much um, this year. I don't know if she's coming back or not. So, yeah, Naito could probably crack this list here. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. And I think that, um, you know, not that Dave's necessarily going to have to eat crow in, in on this side of things, but he keeps talking about how Naito's broken and uh, he, he can't hang anymore. But I, I, I haven't seen that to be true so far. He's He's evolved a little bit. But I mean, I think everyone does. So yeah. I think that Naito's going to prove out that he's he's he'd probably land himself top five unless some of these MMA guys put on some really big fights. Yeah. So next up, feud of the year. So number ten, we have Cody versus MJF. Number nine, Kazuchika Okada versus Sonata. Number eight, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. Number seven, Kobe Covington versus Kamaru Usman. Number six, David Starr versus Jordan Devlin. Number five, Yushin Thunder Liger versus Minoru Suzuki. Number four, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Number three, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. Number two, Chris Jericho versus Cody. And then number one, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Um, the only one I was surprised not to see here, correct the top ten, I see it in the honorable mentions, is, is Ibushi and Naito. Mm, um, yeah. they, they had such a good series in ring and... and um, it was thoughtful and, and compelling. And, I, you know, I know Dave hated it because um, it was it was dangerous. Yeah, they were dropping um, each other on their heads. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, let's call a spade a spade there. I mean, uh, some of that, it was, uh, I don't know. Not, it was scary. Some of that stuff was scary. But, I, you know, I was surprised not to see the voters kind of uh, jump on that one because those are two guys that I think, um, you know, on the New Japan side of things, they're, they they had a great series. Um, was it better than the Okada Sonata series? That probably depends how you feel about Sonata, um, because he's um, he is divisive in the yeah. way that people <laughs> feel about him. Um, so I I would have put it ahead of Okada Sonata. I think the Liger Suzuki build was great. I think the payoff was less than the build. Yeah. Um, but I under I understand why it is on this list. Um, I think that it gets the Liger bump um, <laughs> and the Suzuki bump for that matter. And yeah. people love Minoru Suzuki. So I mean, you put those two guys in a match together, and people are going to want to see it. Yeah, and they just did so much, like you mentioned, kind of on the front end there with that feud. Um, just the the the, the, the attacks post match, pre match, in the middle of matches, promos. And so just kind of building up to that moment, you were just dying to finally see these guys kind of get in there and um. Know, beat the crap out of each other. Obviously, it was a little bit kind of a different style of match, but overall, I mean, the whole rivalry was still um, pretty great. Yeah, I would I would go back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then moving yeah, on to... Uh, a good time. Yeah, most improved, we had uh, number 10, Will Ospreay, number 9, Cody, number 8, Darby Allen, number 7, MJF, number 6, Jay White, number 5, Tai Chi, Number four, Rhea Ripley. Number three, Jungle Boy. Number two, John Moxley. And number one, Lance Archer. So I, I, I my see, man. Yeah, I see a lot of AEW fans trying to take credit for Lance Archer on this award, but come on, guys. Archer was in, in no. New Japan all 2019. The, the most improvement came from his performance um, in the G, you know starting actually starting the New Japan Cup, the match with Osprey, and then rolling into the G1, and then just. Being in singles matches after that, getting the U.S. title, obviously the match with um, Mox at Wrestle Kingdom, like he just had, and the promos too, just, yeah, a lot of great matches, really stepped his game up, you know, people just saw him in that tag team kind of role, killer elite squad role, but once uh, Dayboy left, really kind of broke through there. 
yeah, I mean, what a renaissance year for Lance Archer. I mean, there's there's no there's no denying it. The the this is this is a deserved award. Um, any other year, John Moxley's probably sitting at the top of this, right? Yeah. But um, but man, Lance Archer, he he yeah the the new japan cup match with osprey was awesome but i mean like look at i mean from the g1 like he he became must watch during the g1 like what's this dude gonna do and and how are these guys gonna go at it and he's such a different character and a different style and a different size for new japan i think he's gonna be missed um i think i think um his his he fit in really well with suzuki goon he was a, a great fit for new japan and he was one of those guys that he could he could wrestle, uh, you know, a couple of different styles, but he would also bring out a different style from a lot of the guys he he went after. So, um, I'm happy for him. You know, I'm happy for for him to have found probably a situation that's gonna treat his body a little bit better in America. Um, I'm excited to see what he does in AEW. I'm excited to see how they use him, and I hope they I hope they do him right because um, that could that could be a moment for me if they if they do my man dirty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sad to see him go, but also, like you, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how he fits into AEW and what they end up doing with him. I mean, he's very talented. He really busted his ass last year. I think he definitely deserves kind of a top spot, so I'm really hoping they have some uh, good stuff in store for him. Um, number five here, we had Tai Chi. Tai Chi had a really great 2019, um, especially when you know, look back at matches with guys like uh, Ishii and uh, Naito. Like he just had all the Osprey match also. There's a lot of matches where Tai Chi really stepped up here and um, kind of reduced the shenanigans and kind of, you know, turned up a strong style. Um, yeah, and so I definitely think he deserved being in that top five there. Yeah, the only thing Tai Chi's still doing that's really shenanigans every match is the the the, the pants thing, and, and that's it's just over. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. there's there, there's no way around it. Like, he's he's got to keep doing that, but it's it's going to turn him into a uh white meat baby face if he keeps if he keeps doing it at the right time so he's got to find that moment where it's kind of snarky to do it but yeah tai chi great match quality this year um you know didn't get into a lot of huge storylines either so um i'd be interested to see what what he could do if um if he got a really good program um for one of the you know for one of the belts again or even um a good run in in something like the new japan cup yeah so and I see Jay White here at number six. I you know I don't know that I I mean I guess I was um I was in on Jay White at the beginning of this year, so I I don't know that I I recognize him as as super improved um, because I've just kind of I've always thought he was really good at what he does. So um, but I guess when it, when it comes down to it, he was put in the position to to get some eyes on him too. Yeah, much like you, I've always kind of been in the Jay White camp, and I I think he's a great wrestler. I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes his matches. Dude does kind of get ruined by kind of maybe some overbooking and some bullet club shenanigans. But, you know, the beginning of the year, he had that big um, win over Okada in uh, 15 minutes. And then also kind of building up to uh, he had the Osprey match at the anniversary show and then building up to Madison Square Garden where he dropped the belt to Okada. Um, and he definitely had a better G1 this year than the, than the 2018 G1. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I just think he was in some better positions to kind of get some more eyes and really delivered when he was in those positions. Yeah, and then I see Will Ospreay here at number 10, which is like, it, it's kind of interesting because he just went from great to greater. I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> he was he was really good before, um, before 2019, and... Um, 
I mean, elevated, it's real. So, I mean, <laughs> he just like kept going. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, like that's, I was surprised to see him on the list, but then I was like, nah, I guess, I mean, I guess he did get better. He got even better. <laughs> yeah. I just so. took it to a whole nother level. Right. All right, so then now we're on to most charismatic. So at number 10, we had Kento Miyahara. Number 9, Matt Riddle. Number 8, Orange Cassidy. Number 7, Becky Lynch. Number 6, John Moxley. Number 5, MJF. Number 4, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Number 3, Tetsuya Naito. Number 2, Cody. And then number 1, Chris Jericho taking home another award here. Yeah, th- I mean, this all makes sense to me. Naito's got his style of, of charisma, right? But it is it is certainly charismatic. Um, Tanahashi, he exudes ace energy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's he's the guy. Um, and then uh, you know, going down to Moxley, uh, you know, obviously kind of a uh a combination of his his work in New Japan and his work in in AEW. I mean, these are the guys that you want to put in front of the camera. Um, they they've got a lot of uh charisma. So, um. Are you yeah, surprised? Nothing, nothing surprising here. What's up? Are you surprised about what about Okada? You do, do you think kind of surprising that he's not on this list or even honorable mention? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't. I didn't think of him as as someone that was missing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Interesting that he's not even an honorable mention, meaning right. probably he didn't get any votes, right? I right. mean, that's what I would think. Yeah. I mean, I or guess maybe I guess he got like one vote, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's that egregious to leave him off. I mean, when I look at Okada or Velveteen Dream, I think, okay, Okada's got more charisma than that guy. But um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of an, this is a weird list. I mean, you got Orange Cassidy winning, you know, or coming in, coming in eighth, but. With a, a whole, again, a different kind of charisma. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Tough to say. Are you surprised by that? A little bit. Like, I, I know a lot of people kind of see him as, like, a very kind of stoic kind of figure and really doesn't really fire up until he's in the match, especially with that, you know, those closing stretches. But I don't know. I feel like when he's uh, doing those closing promos and some of the, like, the press conference interview stuff, I feel like he's – he exudes that charisma and obviously the, he's the face of the companies and commercials and other kind of public facing stuff for them. So I don't know. Yeah. Kind of surprised there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I don't know. I, it just not, it didn't, it didn't pop out at me. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where just because it's, it's Okada, like you don't want to give him too much. And so trying to get some shine to some other people. <laughs> yeah, like if I if I was voting on this, I would look at it and be like, all right, I'm going to give it to literally everybody else because this is the one that you can get away with leaving them off the list. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Brian Danielson Award, the best technical wrestler. So at number eight, we have John Gargano. Number seven, Timothy Thatcher. Number six, Minoru Suzuki. Number five, Jonathan Gresham. Number four, Sonata. Number three, Will Ospreay. Number two, Daniel Bryan. And number one, Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, in a, in a landslide again, 895 right. to Daniel Bryan's 97. I mean, this is this is Zack Sabre Jr.'s award to win for the next decade if he wants it. Yeah, he's been winning this award since 2014. Right. And he and before that, it was a, a heck of a stretch for Bryan Danielson. Yeah, um, yeah. Brian right Danielson. Back, all the way back to 2006. Yeah. Or oh, actually 2005. 
yeah. five, five, yeah, yeah, five all the way up until five to thirteen was the kind of the Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan run there. Yeah. So I mean, and I would love to see more guys. I mean, Gresham's great. I would love to see him get a run in best of super juniors. Um, maybe with you know some higher ma- some higher card placement. Um, cause I think he's, he's going to have a, a hand in ring of honor success going forward. So, um, I would like to see him kind of elevate himself, um, into this conversation here too. I think Osprey, it depends on what he ends up doing with his heavyweight style. I think that, I think that we may see a, a different style from him going forward too. But I mean, he has those great matches with Zack Sabre Jr. It's right. going to be tough to take him off of that, off of this list this year. Right. Yeah. If you look at those two Sabre matches, like you'll see a whole other side of Will Ospreay. So if he's wrestling Sabre, even like his match with Sonata in the G1 was kind of a very technical match. So if he's wrestling guys like Sonata and Sabre, I think he will still find a place on this list. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, until, until he's away from Zack Sabre Jr. completely. Um, Sonata, I don't know. Sonata again. He's one of those. He's kind of a chameleon, so he'll have some good technical matches. But he he did have a big program as Xavier Junior last year, so I think that that uh, boosted him up at least a little bit from from this list. Yeah, and uh, Suzuki there. You know, I know Suzuki is very great at technical wrestling, but I still kind of view him more as a brawler. I don't think he really uses the technical side that much, especially at this stage in his career. Um, so kind of interesting that he's, you know, in number six there. Hard to leave Minoru Suzuki off of any list that you think he might find out about. <laughs> True that. <laughs> uh, so next up, we got the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award for the best brawler. So number eight, we have Nick Gage. Number seven, Chris Jericho. Number six, Blue Demon Jr. Number five, Walter. Number four, Minoru Suzuki. Number three, Shingo Takagi, number two, John Moxley, and number one, Tomohiro Ishii. How do you feel about this list? So, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. I guess I think there's a lot of questioning on defining, like, a what is a quote-unquote brawler. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Nick Gage. I know he's, like, a deathmatch wrestler. I've seen a little bit of his stuff, but... I feel like this is more of like a hardcore style maybe than quote-unquote brawler. Um, Walter, it's another guy where I don't really classify Walter as a brawler. Uh, I mean, obviously, most of his matches is him just chopping the crap out of people, but if I'm thinking brawlers, Walter doesn't really, it's not a guy that kind of comes to mind. Um, But I think the top four is a a pretty good spot there with Ishii, Mock, Shingo, and Suzuki. Those are definitely four guys when I think about brawlers. Um, those are the guys I kind of think of right there. Yeah, I mean, I agree, especially the top three. I mean, Suzuki again. He 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 did kind of waver out of the the brawler category. I think for for his work with Liger a little bit. Um, but yeah, I I just would have. Uh, I would have liked to see Moxley take this one because I just think his his matches, his brawls, and and part of that's probably a little bit of a 2020 bias because he's now done all that work with Minoru Suzuki um, that I just thought was so fantastic. So um, you know, I think Moxley just had a, a heck of a year, like redefining the the, the brawler style for him for himself. So, um, but it's going to be tough to pry this award away from Tomohiro Ishii. 
yeah, as long as Ishii can still go and just have those, you know, those never style, strong style matches against guys like Shingo and Goto and pretty much anybody you put in the ring with Ishii and it's going to be a brawl and it's going to be a great matchup there. So I think, yeah, Ishii is definitely always going to be a contender for this top spot here. So up next, we got uh, the best flying wrestler. Number eight, we have Jacob Fatu. Number seven, Tetsuya Endo. Number six, Shun Skywalker. Number five, Ricochet. Number four, El Hio del Vikingo. Number three, Dragon Lee. Number two, Ray Phoenix. And number one, no surprise here, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay and Ray Phoenix, two guys I'm going to watch pretty much anything they do. Dragon Lee, too. Yeah, pretty, um, much, pretty much this, this whole list for the most part. Like, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Lee, I'm in on uh, Vikingo. You know, anytime I can see him on Impact or AAA, I'm in yeah. on... Um, you know, Ricochet, yeah, not so. <laughs> uh, what a sad, <laughs> what a sad fall from grace Ricochet's had. Yeah. <sighs> and then uh, I haven't really seen much of Skywalker or Endo. Um, I have seen a lot of Jacob Fatu in MLW, and the for his size, the way that guy can kind of fly around the ring and you know, hitting that uh, the BME, you know, Chris Daniels style, like for a guy his size is awesome and. Uh, I think with the momentum that MLW, they're they're kind of sneakily kind of progressing and getting a lot of buzz behind them. And I think, um, you know, him being, I think he's still the MLW champion, just being in those main events, like he's a guy that could probably end up staying on this list for a while. Yeah, and I, I'm i pretty sure he's he's pretty young, so he's he's going to go for a while. And, you know, I mean, with, with anyone in MLW, you got to be curious if they're going to, if that's where they're going to stay. Um, but I know that, court powers trying to build his promotion around jacob fat too so um but yeah it, this i mean it's a great list um i think ricochet got in it on on reputation i don't know that he had a great um 2019 i guess he he started the year in nxt he had some good stuff there but um a sad sad fall from grace there <laughs> but yeah i mean top three osprey ray phoenix Dragon Lee. I mean, give me any combination of those guys any day. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see those guys just all in the ring together. I mean, we'll, well, we probably won't get much of a chance to see really an Osprey since Osprey is now heavyweight. Um, but yeah, if we can somehow get those guys in the ring together and let's get this Forbidden Portal open, let's get Ray Phoenix and Best of Sleeper Juniors. Man, give me, oh my God. <laughs> How fun would that be? Oh, dude. That dude, can, dude, his singles matches are so good. Yes, that would be incredible. Yeah, he's fun. And he's he's good character stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I actually just rewatched the the episode, the Lucha episode of the wrestlers, that show on Viceland. Oh yeah. And he was I mean, like it's just so endearing in that show. Um, like what a what a what a good guy, a guy you want to root for. I know. So. It's so hard seeing him as a heel in AEW with Pentagon. Like Pentagon I can get being a heel, but even Pentagon, he's he's so over, but I can get you you, you know, pushing Pentagon as a heel. But Ray Phoenix, I mean, the way that guy wrestles, his, he's so charismatic. Like you mentioned, such a good guy when you get to hear his story and just kind of hear him talk and how he loves wrestling. It's like he's a guy you just want to see succeed and get behind. And it's like, man, I have a hard time booing this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the tough thing about those kind of behind-the-scenes looks is that um, you end up um, you end up endearing yourself to, to your fans, and then you got to be a bad guy. But, I mean, Phoenix proved he can go – in the i think kind of in the in that new japan style um when he he got in the ring with kenny omega and i think that that was just such a good match and his match with whichever one of the jacksons it was uh, uh nick, nick, was it nick? nick yeah nick jackson 
yeah uh that was a great match too and and really similar to the um the kind of uh junior heavyweight style in new japan too so he's like one of those dream guys that i'd love to see come over for a tour yeah definitely uh, next up, we have the most overrated. So at number 10, we have Cody. Number 9, Sonata. Number 8, Brock Lesnar. Number 7, Jay White. Number 6, Britt Baker. Number 5, Shane McMahon. Number 4, Lacey Evans. Number 3, Bray Wyatt. Number 2, Seth Rollins. And number 1, King Corbin. So uh, our New Japan guys here. So Jay White and uh, Sonata. And I'm seeing an honorable mention of Juice Robinson. Yeah, Juice, yeah. Which I I don't know I can't debate any of those. Yeah, I feel, I, I feel like uh, I don't know. Juice is kind of a weird one where I feel like Juice has kind of been slotted in the right spots for the most part. I think um, he's kind of gotten the short end on the stick on some of the booking decisions they've made of him. But I don't know if he's a guy that I would say is overrated. I don't know, but but yeah, I mean, I think I think some of this is pure. Like you look at these guys and like, yeah, these are these are pretty big names and none of them are particularly great in the ring. Yeah. And I, I think that's how this award is perceived. Um, that these are these are guys with star power, but less of the in ring kind of work rate. I mean, and Sonata's the only guy that that you could really say, I think, on this list that um has the work rate piece, but people, I don't, I don't, I don't know. People put a lot of thought into whether they like or don't like Sonata. Right. I I mean, like we mentioned earlier with the whole Okada series, there was a lot of debate with people. uh, People either loved it or hated it. And yeah, people are very kind of divisive on just Sonata, his style and the whole, you know, stoic cold skull kind of persona and thinking he's getting a push. He doesn't deserve kind of thing. So I can, I can I know, see, where, I can, but where's the push? I mean, it's not re- that's not a real thing. I don't right. think. Well, I think people saw it as, as a push just because he was in there with Okada, especially yeah, four, four yeah. times in one year. But clearly, but he, he kept, lo- he but lost. He kept losing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I, I could see why somebody would argue Sonata, and then with Jay White, obviously he's you know always in top positions, but you know a lot of his matches sometimes do have like the bull club shenanigans and the cheating and Gato and Jado and. G.O.D. and stuff like that. And I know Jay White's another guy where people either love him or you hate him. And a lot of people hate him and really hate that he's in that main event picture. And, um, you know, people think he's kind of ruining the main event style. He's going to surprise people when he eventually goes babyface, I think. Oh, I yeah, definitely. Like, I saw him as a babyface in Ring of Honor kind of before he came back as Switchblade. And, like, he was awesome. That match with Osprey he had before he came back from Excursion was awesome and yeah i think once he's baby face he's gonna be able to unleash like his high-flying offense and just be super you know charismatic in the baby face way and really just kind of win the crowd over uh so now we yeah can... i and, and i think it'll be a couple of years before that before they pull that trigger but once they do i think they've got they'll, they'll have a, another another star on their hands yeah, there should be no rush to turn him face. Yeah, I think he can kind of sit in that heel spot for quite some time until you can kind of bring in a compelling character that can kind of force him to go face. Then on the other side here, we have the most underrated. So at number 10, we have the Bastard Pack. Number 9, Cesaro. Number 8, Kushida. Number 7, Samoa Joe. Number 6, 
Mustafa Ali, number five, Tomohiro Ishii, number four, Ricochet, number three, Toa Hanare, number two, Matt Riddle, and number one, Chad Gable. I refuse to say Shorty G. Chad Gable. I, res- I respect that. <laughs> uh, Toa Hanare right there, number three. I mean, people love that dude. They want him to succeed. They want him to um, get a better spot. I mean, like, part of me... Part of me just thinks people want him out of that that young lion and and dad's mix. Um, I think it's time to to give him some mid card stuff to do at least, um, or may, you know, yeah, mid card stuff. To be honest, I mean, like that's the only way to put it. So, um, you know, other than that, I don't think that there's much. Um, I mean, our man Kushida just oh, flailing man. down there in NXT, <laughs> get literally getting thrown in the trash. On I TV. mean, put him in the bin. I mean, come on. Yeah. What are you like? What a visual. Um, yeah. And I mean, Ishii on this list, I don't know. In, in the circles I'm talking in, he is definitely not underrated. Um, he is he is placed at the top. Yeah. I, I think why people might have voted him underrated is just one of those things where Ishii is not a guy that's getting iwgb title shots he's not even getting ic title shots that much he's kind of stays in that never division and i, I know a lot of people who are big fans of ishii want to see him in main events in in that i think he's in the caliber of being iwgp champion or ic champion and so i think maybe they say he's underrated because he's not in like a position that say like a naito or okada or osprey gets in yeah so what's your take there so, I mean, I love Ishii. He's awesome. And I just think from their standpoint, obviously with the age and then maybe just kind of um, the physique, he's probably not the kind of guy they see as IWGP champion. And I don't know if he's a guy that would, quote, unquote, draw as the IWGP champion. I think he's that kind of guy that you you have in the mid card, upper upper mid card in that never division that puts on these bangers and you love him because of that. But I'm I'm curious to see how an IWGP title run would go. I'm not sure how that would work out, how like how those matches would look, how you end up drawing with him on top. I mean, I'm sure the matches would be great, but I just think it'd be a different dynamic of all of a sudden he's kind of the top dog and IWGP champion. Yeah, I mean I, I could see at some point here soon Ishii getting the kind of that transitional title reign where they had to bounce it from a heel back to a babyface, but they didn't want to blow off a big match. So they somehow build up Ishii with like say a new Japan Cup win. Um and he actually wins the title match and then you bounce it over to I don't know, Okada, Ibushi, like you name it. Like somehow you build up that that next match. So I mean he could be a guy that wins the title and and never successfully defends it, but you know, it's he it's almost the gold watch championship, you know, but um he's been really important to that to that company. So um wouldn't wouldn't surprise me for them to do something like that. And they, they like to do that when they when they're gonna try to bounce the title back to somebody without blowing off a big match that they want to save for later. Um, which I think is really smart too. Yeah. But they, they're also they're really careful with who they put the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on. Um, but he would be on the list for one of those transitional title reigns and, and the, kind of the Gold Watch reign. Um, I think he'd be further up the up the list than someone like Shingo even, um, just because he spent more time in in New Japan. Right. So. 
But yeah, I just feel like the contenders for that title are so stacked right now. Like you mentioned, you do got Shingo, Osprey, you got Kota Ibushi. Um, there's some guys that are in that kind of pipeline that I think it might be hard for Ishii to kind of get around. Yeah, I agree. I think he's gonna. I, you know, I'd like to see him like at least dip his toe in the IC title reign or title kind of picture if they ever got him if they ever separate those titles again. Yeah, I think the IC title would be a, a kind of great spot for him because you could you can main event some kind of B level shows with him as IC champion against some kind of top guys, and I think those shows would draw really well. Yeah, I th- but yeah, I guess I guess you've made your case for him being underrated though, because he's always going to be that guy that's um, you know beloved in 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 like the circle, right? And then on the outside, you see this guy um, that you're kind of unfamiliar with, and you're like, yeah, he has good matches, and but like, what what else does he have? So um, he's he is the quintessential like strong style, never open weight champion, like <laughs> yeah. beefy boy though. I mean, like he, he has his niche in new Japan and he, he can continue to ride that as long as he can go. Yeah. Uh, so up next, we got rookie of the year. Number nine, we have Alex Coughlin, number eight, Marco stunt, number seven, private party, number six, strong machine. J number five, Chris Statlander, number four, Clark Connors, number three, Kane Velasquez, number two, Carl Fredericks and number one jungle boy. Man, I think Carl was uh, was robbed here. <sighs> I mean, uh, Jungle Boy is good. Yeah, um, I, I love Jungle Boy, and he he had a great year. But I mean, Carl Fredericks, yeah. man, was tearing it up this year. I don't know, man. The voting the voting yeah. was very close there. Jungle Boy two forty nine, Carl Fredericks two nineteen. But man, I I don't know. I feel like Fredericks has a little bit it's a little bit more crisper for me than I think Jungle Boy. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. I think, I think spicy Carl got robbed, but um, <laughs> it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to, de- it's hard to take jungle boy out of the conversation too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Carl Fredericks, yes, this, I guess technically is his rookie year, but um, he had, he and jungle boy both had been wrestling quite a bit, but they, they both ascended into kind of the, the, conversation this year so uh, great year for both these guys no shame uh coming in second uh on the rookie of the year as a as a um la dojo young lion i mean a lot of, a lot of la dojo on this list though yeah clark connors alex coglin yeah these guys you know they've came in shibata's training these boys right came in there they pretty much won the rivalry for the most part over the new japan dojo tore those boys up and so yeah these guys are all great yeah, and that that I think is my biggest takeaway here is that like that LA Dojo system is healthy and it's going to produce a lot of talent for um for New Japan. So, I mean, Fredericks, Connors, Coglin, you know, over the next what, 3 years or so, I think you're going to see each of these guys get really nice spots on the card. Yeah. Uh, out, out outside of their black trunks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so up next, we have the best non-wrestler. Number 10, we have Jake Hager. Number 9, Peter. Number 8, Chibata. Number 7, Aubrey Edwards. Number 6, William Regal. Number 5, Tully Blanchard. Number 4, Gato. Number 3, Selena De La Renta. Number 2, Selena Vega. And number 1, Paul Heyman. So we got some New Japan on there with uh, Gato and Peter. And Chibata. So do you think Gato and Peter got on this list for the same reasons? <laughs> uh, I mean, um, they're both um, <laughs> assets to their um, the people they manage at ringside. Um, 
you know, both Bullet Club. Uh, <laughs> both very distracting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, very uh, sneaky uh, tactics there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do think you know Peter could could have been a little bit a little bit higher. You know, um, she brings a lot to Yujiro's um, act. I mean, without her, could he really be the Tokyo pimp? Um, it would, it would kind of kill his gimmick and his, his aura. I think she should be higher. I mean, does Yujiro even get on the card without her? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, I think, um, but seriously, do you think Gato gets on this list because of his booking or because of his shenanigans? Um, I think just be, I think for this uh, voting, I think he's getting on for like the shenanigans and just kind of being that in that manager managing Jay White mostly. Yes, he's in Bullet Club, but he he mainly managing Jay White, and obviously Jay is in these big semi-main and main events and title matches and Gato is usually a key component in those matches whether he's pulling the ref out taking a bump pulling out brass knuckles um distracting his opponent like um Gato is a very active part in all Jason matches and I, I think people realize that and I think that's why he got voted so high here yeah I agree and I think he's um I think people hate him and I think that's the point Right. So people hate that he's taking away their 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 work rate matches and even Jay White's work rate matches. And and Gato's ruining that. And 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 people get really hot about that. And that's kind of what he's trying to do. Right. That's the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and I think the heat is that he's he's literally ruining what could be a great five star whatever match. Right. Um, And and. You know, if if that's the kind of wrestling that you're into, those matches are still five stars, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know, I know, there's people that went five stars on on matches like Jay White and and, and Naito, especially at um, Destruction. But um, you know, I mean, like he he plays the role really well. Now, you know, a lot of people think he does it too much, and you know, the the inside the inside uh info is that like he's booking it so like he's writing himself into these situations so i think that if this wasn't you know highly trusted new japan pro wrestling if this was vince mcmahon pulling all these shenanigans you'd hear this there's no way he makes this list. <laughs> all right um then also uh, interesting here shibata at number eight also shibata had a big role to play in kenta's heel turn and the whole kenta and goto rivalry and that whole angle that went down there and also, also too, a lot of on-screen stuff like the L.A. Dojo as well. So, yeah, I think it's pretty cool Shibata got on the list here. Yeah, and and he's in a, I mean, he's in a cool role. I know a lot of people wanted to see him wrestle. Um, I think they've, I think New Japan pivoted away from him appearing in any sort of physicality because I don't think they can deliver it. So, um, I, I hope he lands on this list again, though. I like when he appears in, in some way, but um, I think that they they're going to be more careful with teasing any sort of uh, matches or physicality. Yeah. Then moving on, we've got a best television announcer, number 10, Chris Charlton, number nine, Don Callis, number eight, Hugo Savinovich, number seven, Jim Ross, number six, Jim Cornette, number five, Nigel McGuinness, number four, Maro Nalo, number three, Tony Schiavone, number two, Excalibur, and then number one, Kevin Kelly, representing New Japan there. My man. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. I am uh, wholeheartedly biased uh, on this one. So 
not a, not a lot I can say. I think Chris Charlton's fantastic in his role, um, landing at number ten here. But um, Kevin Kelly, you know, he he puts in the work. Um, I can I can attest to that. He he puts in the work, and he is happy to, um, you know, he's happy to take crowdsourced information. He's happy to collaborate with people, and he's happy to credit where credits due. And I think that that is honorable. Um, obviously I have a hell of a bias towards him, um, for, for that, um, you know, based on, based on, uh, you know, the work that we've been able to put together, but, um, yeah, I mean like, dude, he's just, he's got it together. He's humble to a fault. Um, but he takes that, he takes that role really seriously. Um, he's really good at building up whoever's sitting with him too. So, I mean, if you look at Gino Gambino and Chris Charlton, like those dudes had not done this before um at least not at this scale and at this level um and with this much consistency and and kevin kelly's the guy steering the ship and um he he will deserve this uh this this uh award probably until he he puts the microphone down yeah i think kevin is great and i really enjoyed him his commentary in ring of honor kind of before the new japan run and then Getting the New Japan run, also he's been a great asset to the promotion for the English commentary. He does just an amazing job, and like you mentioned, really lifting up who he works with. Even um, I think of Caprice Coleman, that kind of run that Caprice had in New Japan for those, uh, I forget which tour that was, but I think Kevin Kelly did a, a great job with him and just kind of um, helping him out, uh, acclimate to New Japan and just become a better commentator. So yeah, Kevin is just a... Um, such a valuable resource for that company, and it's a, an excellent job. And yeah, as long as he's on the bo- on the, the booth on the microphone, like he's going to be in contention for winning this. Yeah, and I think what Kevin Kelly does so well is that he um, he is very good at telling stories from the beginning. So like as the as the guys are entering and and you've got these extravagant entrances especially at a show like you know some of the bigger shows like wrestle kingdom or dominion but like he will tell you almost the whole story because like we on the english side of things like we don't necessarily understand everything that's happening in those great promo packages that they put together Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i you know i don't i don't know um how much Japanese Kevin Kelly knows, but I, to my knowledge, he's, he's putting these stories together himself too. So he's writing his own script and um, he knows exactly what he's going to say as these guys are entering to get the English speaking fans, the, the whole story from the, from the bottom to the top, which I think is where some of my work comes in and, and, and why I think him and I have been able to put together some, some good stuff. And, and, and I've started to learn like what's most useful for them because um, he wants to tell the whole story all the way back to the beginning because, you know, there's always that chance that these guys are watching for the, or these people are watching for the first time and um, they've heard about New Japan and how great it is. And, and he wants to make sure that um, he communicates everything he can before they get in the ring and he has to call just a, a pure match. So I think it's a really cool approach. Um, and I think that. Um, he has really honed in on it, especially even in the last couple of years, to the point where he's it's just really he's perfected the uh, the the role of what he wants to be doing there. Yeah, and like you mentioned too, it's just kind of like the um, the testament of New Japan kind of telling the story in the ring for him to be able like he's gonna have to really know the language fully to kind of understand what's going on there. So yeah, just does an excellent job there. 
yeah, I could do a whole pot on on him, but <laughs> I don't I don't need to kiss his ass anymore. <laughs> he'll still he'll, he might still take my emails after this one. Uh, all right, so we're gonna do one more category here, and then we'll switch over to answering some of the listener questions. So, uh, last one we'll look at here is the best major wrestling show. So at number ten, we had NXT Takeover um, that was in Connecticut. Number nine, we had WrestleMania. Number eight, Dominion. Number seven, DDT's Coming to America. Number six, DDT's Ultimate Party. Number five, Best of the Super Junior Finals. Number four, uh, the G1 Climax Finals. Number three, NXT TakeOver New York. Number two, Wrestle Kingdom 13. And then number one, AEW Double or Nothing. That was another close one. Uh, 359 for Double or Nothing and 323 for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and I think Wrestle Kingdom is always going to be in that conversation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year because you had the two nights. Um, I wonder if that'll split the vote, which could be a problem for New Japan if they care about winning this. But um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't know what my favorite show of the year was. I think that Best of Super Juniors final was great. Obviously, lifted up with um, Osprey and Shingo, and then you had Moxley's debut there too. So I thought that was really important for the you know where new japan was headed and that the g1 climax final um was awesome because you had the kenta turn and you had so you had some like big story stuff and you had some really good matches on there too but um yeah i don't know i'm tough to tough to debate because again i think double or nothing was like a really important show for the future of american wrestling um and to be honest, like the other shows that I would put on here would be like a couple of the Corkins from Best of Super Juniors where you had like really hot matches. Um, you had one that had, it was Shingo and Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay and Bandito. Yeah. That was just like, I forget the date. It was, it was one of the May shows. It was just, that was just like an awesome show. It was both blocks. It was all singles matches. It was just like, just banger after banger after banger. So that was the only show that I would think of that I would even put on here. But and that that might have been my show of the year. But um, that's just my style. Yeah, I think all the shows on this list, you can kind of point out a reasoning for why people voted for these, whether it's from just the cards, match qualities, what it meant for the promotion, what it meant for the overall wrestling landscape. And I think that's kind of why Double or Nothing won. It's because of the kind of the overall, what it meant for wrestling in general, kind of the the real big kickoff there for AEW. And like we mentioned, so close to WrestleMania 13, which was a great card. And you had, you know, your um, that your last Kenny Omega IWGB title match for the foreseeable future and just a couple other moments there on that card as well. So, um, Are you surprised not to see the Madison Square Garden show on here? Um, yes and no. I think it's probably not on there just because of the Ring of Honor components of the show. And obviously anybody you talk to for the most part, it's like, I love the the New Japan stuff, but the Ring of Honor stuff was, um, you know, lower, lower the show for me. And so I think that's probably what happened here. Because overall, I mean, I was there live. I thought it was a great show, even with the Ring of Honor stuff. And it was just a huge thing, you know, Okada main eventing, winning the title from Jay White. And I thought it was, you know, a great moment. And it's selling out. It was a big moment for both promotions. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, Ring of Honor's end, I think, kind of really probably drug it down for the voters here. Such a shame. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I think Ring of Honor is on the on the upswing now. It seems, but um, yeah, I mean, it was is tough to get through the ring of honor stuff on that particular show too they they just they overbooked it and it's it sucks yeah all right so just got a quick few news items here and then we'll get to all the listener questions um so we did have some dates here for the best of the super junior uh, tournament it was announced here by new japan so the tournament will be starting on may 12th at cork and hall and it will go all the way to the finals ending on june 6th at ota ward gym in tokyo and it looks like they'll be running corking on may 12th 13th 14th the 21st 22nd 23rd and the 4th and then osaka shows on the 29th and 30th yeah and it's the same number of dates as they did last year so that leads me to believe the block sizes will be the same. At least that's the plan as it stands. So yeah. it's it's largely the same layout as as last year, except for um, the finals are in a much smaller building. Yeah. Yeah. So they have no problem selling that out. Right. Right. These are going to be these are going to be sold out shows mostly. I think. Yeah. Uh, up on NJPW World, the NJPW Together project has been going on. They've uploaded a lot of archive matches, a lot of um, interview and talk show stuff. So that stuff is still going on on NJPW World to get some content up there while we're waiting to get shows um, cleared from the coronavirus. Also up on NJPW World is the True Kazuchika Okada documentary, um, a documentary on Kazuchika Okada. Also, we have Juice Robinson on the NJPW. NJPW official English podcast this week. The Monday free match on YouTube is Toriano versus Kazuchika Okada from the 2013 New Japan Cup. And we have uh, announcements here of participants in the Ring of Honor Pure Title Tournament. We do have some New Japan re- representation. We have Rocky Romero, Yuji Nagata, and Ren Narita who are going to be in this tournament with Doug Williams, Jonathan Gresham, Alex Shelley. Mark Haskins, Slex, Tracy Williams, Marty Skrull, Freddie Yehi, Joe Hendry, Dalton Castle, Josh Woods, and Tony Deppin. Looks like a very interesting tournament there. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. Um, and I think I think booking Nagata in that tournament might be... Um, I mean, that may be what Yuji Nagata's got to do for a little while. He's, he's <laughs> going to do some kind of ambassador-style work. Um, for New Japan, so and and I love seeing Ren Narita getting some legitimate work. Um, I heard he was really good on the most recent Black Label Pro show. I think I've heard he made like pretty extensive strides into um, um he matches up with in the in the Ring of Honor tournament. And I, I'm a little excited to see that that relationship is. So Chris, is I, I, I lost I lost you there for a second. Um, after you were saying like you did great in Black Label Pro. Oh. Um, I was just saying that uh, Ren Narita um, sounds like he had a really good match in Black Label Pro, and he's really kind of evolved as a as a wrestler, and he's starting to really find his find his way here. So, and I'm I'm excited to see that uh, potentially that the New Japan and Ring of Honor um, relationship is at least you know back to where it was before. I mean, they they also just announced the um, the world the world shows the old the old you know, Ring of Honor, New Japan tour in the Midwest. So, um, and they're, they're coming through Chicago with, with that kind of combo. So um, I'm, I'm pleased to see that. I think that that will help. Uh, that'll actually help New Japan um, continue their growth in America. If, if Ring of Honor is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be a big help. And it seems like Ring of Honor has been on kind of the upswing here with just the way Marty's been booking and obviously 
pushing guys like Dragon Lee and Bandito and Ray Horace and Flip and, you know, Villain Enterprises and just some of the other international acts. He's bringing in top indie people like Tony Deppin, um, Jeff Cobb still making dates, Dan Math. So looks like Ring of Honor is kind of on the upswing for this year. So I'm glad to see that. Yeah, fingers crossed. And and I think that can only help New Japan um, because I, I, I don't know that they can put enough great cards together on their own. Um, to sell the size buildings that they wanted to do with New Japan of America on, on so many dates. So I'm, I'm actually starting to hear that they're, they're going to run fewer dates than they had anticipated. Um, but they are going to do some bigger shows. I think, you know, you've got Madison Square Garden, and I think you might see some, um, you know, two, three, four thousand seat venues, but you're going to see um, single shows instead of big tours. But that's just a rumor. Yeah. All right. So now jumping into the questions. Thank you, everybody who sent questions in for this week. So starting off, um, front of the show, Darren Kirby, he asks, uh, who out of the U.S. dojo crop of talent has impressed you the most? Um, he's like, I'd th- like to throw another one in just to take your gauge. Uh, so that's the second question. Oh, yeah, the first question. So who out of the, the L.A. dojo has impressed you the most? I mean, Carl Fredericks is a star. Um, that's really what it comes down to. So I think he's going to be the guy. I think um, – you know, Connors has has been interesting in his in his kind of character work, and he had a good run um, in the Super Junior Tag League. But yeah, I mean, I think Fredericks is going to be the guy. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, uh, Fredericks has been the guy that I've been most impressed with, and like you mentioned, the guy's a star. You can just tell by the way they position him. You know, winning that Young Lions Cup and just some of the, the matches he's won. He's won probably a majority. We can look at your stats and see like the matches he's won in the Young Lion division and. Yeah, just the charisma, the the wrestling, the athleticism. He's, I think he's the full package there. And then I also like uh, Clark Connors a lot too. Um, kind of reminds me of a, a young Chris Benoit. He's a uh, very intense and uh, kind of small in stature, but just really explosive. So, those are my two yeah, guys I mean, there. It's a good. That's a good crop. I mean, they're gonna they're they're gonna turn out some talent. So, and I, I hope there's another another group behind him because it seems like it's a it's a system that works yeah and then uh kirby's second question here he says with mox being the AEW world champion and the iwgp u.s champion which is a mid-tier championship in njpw in your view does that that diminish the prestige of the AEW world title i mean in my opinion no um i think it's to be perfectly honest i think like both characters are written mostly separately um it's the same same guy same demeanor same wrestling style but i think in the sense of um their positioning and and how they're utilized in their in each of their companies i think they're completely different um i think if anything what it what what john moxley is doing is is raising the visibility of the iwgp united states championship so um, I mean, being the top of, of a pretty major promotion in the U.S. Um, with the title, I think that when you look at that and you say like, oh, he's got, I guess, the second or third tier championship, maybe fourth, if you really look at it um, in New Japan, I think that that makes you wonder what's going on uh, higher up the card. Yeah, totally agree with you. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on Mox just based off of, you know, the weekly Dynamite on TNT and the great ratings they're doing there. And I think there's a lot of interest in just what he does in and out of um, AEW. And so with him, you know, now as a world champion, still 
being committed to doing New Japan. He's doing OTT dates. Like, I think people are going to kind of follow him wherever he goes. And so I think he's going to have more eyeballs on him, like you mentioned, for those U.S. title matches. So you can do, like, a big show and have him in the U.S. title match and get some more eyes on that show. Yeah, I mean, just look at the program he did with Suzuki, and and that got a ton of attention on on U.S. social media. So, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I look at I look at any opportunity to post Mox's name on my Twitter feed <laughs> because people pay attention. So, um, and and he's entertaining. I mean, he's he was great. I was there in Chicago at Revolution, and um, he's just got something going on right now, and you can tell he's firing on all cylinders. So, I think any way New Japan can use him. Um, and I think with the, the U.S. belt is, is, is the perfect way to do it um, because they're clearly not concerned with that belt being defended in, in the United States, um, right. which I guess is ironic. But um, <laughs> yeah. I think I, th- I think that that's it's it's the it's a great place to, to put him and position him in, in a way that they don't need him on every card, but they can they can kind of tap into it when they need to. Yeah. Next question from Reddit user T0M0M. How do you think New Japan should handle the coronavirus situation from here on out? Might it be a good idea to have some events behind closed doors so that certain shows aren't missed entirely? Um, yeah, I think for New Japan, it's almost a little bit out of their hands right now. I feel like they're kind of at the will of the Japanese government. I mean, if Japanese government says, you know, still no more public outings, there's not much they can do there. I mean... They could kind of go the, you know, empty arena route. And depending on how long um, the situation lasts, I mean, they might have to do that just for storyline purposes, maybe. Um, yeah, see, I, I don't know, right? Like, this is, this is a weird situation, and I, uh, I don't envy them being in this position to try to figure out how to continue their business a touring live event company um i think that's a significant portion of their revenue so um selling tickets i mean they've run a ton of shows a ton of shows every year um you know and on on their level it's it's just as many as as wwe and it's in its heyday when they were running you know four shows a week so um so to run empty arena matches or empty arena shows even i don't know that that serves their business right because um, yeah they're because, essentially making no money off of that yeah you make no money off of that and you end up blowing off matches probably i mean you're probably not going to waste you know something really good on something like that but i don't i just don't know that it serves them at all um so I mean, maybe they'll do it, but um, I don't. I luckily they had blown off all of their, I guess you could say, their New Year Dash uh, matches, right? I, everything that was set up right after Wrestle Kingdom, like they blew all that off on the New Beginning tour, right? Like, and I, you know, I'd have to look back to see how they've they've handled all that in the past, but like they literally took every one of those feuds and blew them off. So they are starting from scratch right now, anyway. So, I mean, this pause, in a sense of story, this pause couldn't have happened at a better time for them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not in the middle of a tournament. They're not in the middle of a build. They're not in the middle of anything. They were literally at a reset. Um, so, I mean, 
and it's a shame that we missed out on uh, Naito Hiromu, but that's another match that you can just you can book, right? Like you right. can just put it on another show that you know, call it the anniversary show if you want, or or put it on Secure Genesis if you come back right before that and you just run the anniversary card and 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 do a reset there, like, and then maybe you've got all April to to put together some shows and um and run the new japan cup maybe in a different configuration but um i think there's a chance that we don't see new japan until april i think there's a chance they don't come back until sakura genesis um and i think that there's a chance that they run the anniversary show at sakura genesis and then they run the new japan cup in some sometime in april even though they didn't have many dates booked but you gotta you gotta bet these um arenas and venues and gymnasiums want that revenue too oh yeah i'm so sure you, cork and hall's like yeah well, we we missed out on sure. that, that business like yeah we'll help you guys out let's set some stuff up yeah yeah exactly so i i don't want to say i'm hopeful for that but i i don't think that's a terrible contingency plan um i i if i were them i would focus on doing kind of this other content before I focused on on trying to put together empty arena matches though right i mean though i do think if there's a match you're going to put in an empty hall that could pull off a great show and probably like get somebody's five stars. I mean, throw Naito and Hiromu in a ring at Cork and Hall and, and make <laughs> it empty. I think they could actually do some really interesting stuff with that too. So yeah. like that would be the match that I would put in it, but I don't think that's how people want to see it. Yeah. And then also to you, something to think about a lot of those guys are coming over to the States for WrestleMania weekend. And so, you know, there's a lot of issues with people traveling. So you might just want to get those guys in the States as soon as possible and kind of keep them locked down there so they could be ready to go for uh, the big WrestleMania week here in Tampa. Yeah. I have never been more excited for a super card of honor because <laughs> it might be the next time I see any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Reddit user D 69. I don't know if the faction system matters much more, but which team had the most wins as a unit? Yeah, so we talked about this earlier. I mean, LIG is on the is on the upswing here, and and that was the same in 2019. Like they, those guys were were booked strong, and now you've just got another, um, I guess, another bullet in the chamber with Hiromu. So those guys are are going to get the wins. Yeah, like you mentioned yeah, LIG definitely the top faction right now, and just got most of the belts, getting most of the wins. So yeah, yeah. Next question from Reddit user Highest Fly Flow. Did you guys see Liger mark out to Natsu Samuri and Mayu Iwatani? Last week I said Stardom's empty arena show was a bad idea, but they really made it work. He says also hello, Chris. Did you watch the empty arena show? No, so I did not. It's on my list to kind of catch up on. Um, so I do want to watch the show, but yeah, I heard Liger was on commentary, but I did not see him um, in action there. Did you? So I'm not a Joshi watcher, hardly, hardly at all. Um, but I am starved for live wrestling content. <laughs> so I did put the stardom show on. Um, and I, you know what? I enjoyed it. Um, luckily, I, I've got a little community of wrestling fans that I, I can watch wrestling with kind of uh, digitally. So I was I was trying to like, you know, sneak a look and catch up on who's who and what's what. But they they did make the empty um, the empty hall show work, and Liger was a really um, kind of he's, he's kind of fun to keep an eye out for. So, um, and I, I believe he said it was the first time he had called Joshi, and um, he seemed to have a really good time. So it was it was a fun it was an interesting thing to watch. I also I do I like watching things that are kind of oddball. So like my 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 White Sox played a 
uh, empty stadium match in Baltimore a couple of years ago during when there was riots up there. And that was, it's just kind of trippy to see things completely out of their element like that. So, um, and wrestling was kind of like that too, but like the, the Joshi kind of mannerisms are so big and bold to begin with that they just kept doing them um, even though there was no crowd there. So um, I don't know how that would translate to a, um to uh something like new japan but um it was it's it's worth a watch for sure yeah i definitely want to check it check it out heard a lot of good things um about the show and heard a lot of people say yeah they did a great job kind of making it work um also he has another question here says how are you guys holding up on the lack of content he says personally i love this break because i've been able to watch tons of 90s and 2000s all japan pro wrestling and new japan pro wrestling yeah what are you watching um, so, I mean, obviously I'm still, I'm watching Dynamite, watching NXT, um, but I really haven't felt the void of anything, really. I did catch, um, a couple of Ring of Honor matches, um, from their last tour that had, like, Marty and Bandito and Slex and stuff like that, um, but besides that, I haven't really watched anything. Like I mentioned, I took the opportunity to kind of, like, get out the house and, um, just hang out with the, with the non-marks <laughs> in my, <laughs> in my life, um. So, yeah, so, but I am kind of itching right now, so I might have to fire up and, you know, watch some of the archives that are coming up or, yeah, just find something, any kind of live, you know, I might, I haven't watched NWA in a while, I might get back on that, MLW, I haven't watched in a while either, so. Yeah, I, uh, luckily I'm a baseball fan and spring training is is happening, so I've probably watched more spring training than I, I normally would, especially, typically it's, it's competing with the new japan cup so um other than that i mean yeah i I caught up on dragon gate i I watched all their big shows because i hadn't watched anything from them from since uh uh kobe world last last summer so Mm. had some big shows from them to just kind of like plug through as i as i watch stuff and to be honest i've been watching some of the wwe documentaries too um and i i mentioned the um I'd watched the wrestlers, the Viceland show, um, mm. kind of plugging away at some interesting episodes of that too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm itching for some live content that I really can get behind. I, uh, luckily I also cover AEW, um, for PW torch. So, um, I've been able to put some, some kind of more muscle behind my coverage there. So, and I got to go to die or, uh, sorry, we got to go to revolution. Um, cause it was in Chicago nice. la- last weekend. So that was the, you know, that kind of, it did, it, it, it it, uh, it both added fuel to the fire, but also satiated my needs of, of wrestling. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there is so much content out there that, um, it is, it's hard to ever feel caught up if you're trying to kind of keep an eye on everything. Um, so, you know, and new Japan is, is one of the, the largest content providers and, and in, in my opinion, the best, but, um, you know, it's nice to be able to kind of tap into some stuff that I've been, meaning to get back around to and I've, I've been keeping up with triple a and 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 stuff like that and i think i'll probably you know fall back into my old ways of just watching everything new japan does as soon as they're back <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah right now is kind of a good time to take advantage of you have a queue a youtube queue or you know just following other promotions to kind of catch up and before whatever new japan does and comes back in full force um, next question here from reddit user why did you do that bro he says with the uh next show about a week away what changes do you expect for the remaining cards on this tour if the rest of the events do not get canceled? What do you think they'll do? I kind of laid out what I think might happen. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's such a hard position there, and it's going to be very hard to get a tournament done in, what, like five days is what's, what's left. Um, so, I mean, they could just reduce the bracket down and just say, you know, based off of uh, win-loss records, here are the top eight guys in New Japan right now, and they're going to be the ones that get to fight for the double championship opportunity. Um, that's a route they could go, or maybe they kind of change up the formats and maybe kind of make these shows kind of more of like a road to style shows. And so they could and then restructure the, the tournament. If they want to do the full 32, restructure it for April, turn these into kind of road twos and then build to secure Genesis. Yeah. I think if they come back next week, I think they'll try to run the New Japan Cup in in those five days, or maybe they're at a show, or I don't know, um, or they'll they'll trim it down to sixteen. Yeah. Um. I I think I could you know I I could trim it down to sixteen for them and and it would be. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's pretty easy to kind of weed some people out. And yeah, I mean, and like it, it wouldn't even be like necessarily like given away who the winners were going to be in round one. Like I could, you could remove completely a couple of these matches. Right. But, um, and then just rebracket it. But yeah, I think if they come back next week, they'll, they'll do some sort of tournament and they'll, they'll try to get just back on track. Yeah. Um, if they don't, I think that we see a whole restructure of what the the rest of the year looks like and what secure Genesis looks like. Cause you, you really do. You, you lose your main event completely. Um, right. Unless you try to put the, the Naito, Right. The match there. Yeah, which I mean, I I don't know that anyone would be opposed to that. I think that's that's as good a draw as anything. Yeah, I mean the show's already sold out, so why not? Right. Yeah, give them give them a show, right? right? I mean, like that's that. You know, let them let them run the match, and and you know, you're gonna get some New Japan World subscribers off that too. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user Asayo Jimbo says: Since there hasn't been a New Japan show in a few weeks. What are your thoughts on the possibility of an NXT Japan? I'll defer to you. <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of talked about this a little bit last week and the rumors of just um, All Japan um, potentially becoming an NXT Japan. Uh, not a real big fan of it. Um, not a big fan of WWE just trying to come into different countries and kind of bully their way in and kind of take over the scene. We've, we've kind of seen what's happened over in the UK and just how promotions are doing there and them pulling talent from certain shows and um, just really kind of muscling their way into the, to that, you know, kind of scene there and just taking talent and really kind of trying to kind of controlling the scene there. But I don't think with them, I think Japan just kind of structured a little bit differently than the UK. I think they're going to have a, a hard time kind of breaking in into uh, Japan. Even if they do take over all Japan, I feel like new Japan has such a strong foothold in in the company and some of the other promotions too, like DT and um, Stardom now being under Bushi Road. I feel like there's other promotions like we talked about that kind of built, have built up over time that uh, credibility. And I don't know how fans are really going to take to, uh, you know, NXT Japan. I think you know from what I know there are there are WWE fans in Japan. And those aren't necessarily also New Japan fans, or they're not also Big Japan fans or NOAA fans or um, fans of really anything else. And it's similar in America, right? Like there are WWE fans 
and then there are at, at this point there's wwe fans there's aew fans and then there's pro wrestling fans um and i think that there's some overlap it's a venn diagram right and i think that there's some overlap but i i, I think that that segment is smaller in japan i think yeah it it being just wwe fans and you know american culture um american um pop culture especially is it's a popular thing in japan so i think that nxt japan could tap into that i think they could tap into um some great talent that that wwe has if they want to send kushida back to japan and and have him be a draw and um even someone like akira Tozawa is still with them and uh, nakamura like they, you know yeah and i mean nakamura um it would be the obvious choice right too but um yeah i mean and and then Io Shirai and kairi sane and asuka i mean they, they they've got um people that speak the language they've got kind of key people like they could do what they're doing with nxt now where they sent finn balor back right mm -hmm. and they so at one at a time they could send one of their big japanese draws they could fill up some halls and they could run some good shows and and they could sell some tickets but um i think that um i don't think this would go the same way that that the nxt uk has gone Right. I think that there is so much more history in Japanese pro wrestling than there is in um, in Brit Rest. And, I, and I, I, someone can correct me, certainly. I, I'm sure I'll hear about it somewhere if someone listens um, to this. But um, I think that there's there's so much there's deeper roots in Japan with all these companies. So but but I, with that said, I, I don't think wrestling is as healthy as it looks in Japan either. Um, I think that there's there is certainly some inherent risk that some of these smaller companies that people have come to enjoy will struggle when you add in um, someone else taking people's wrestling dollars and someone else with a lot of weight taking somebody's wrestling dollars. So, I mean, even when you look at a company like All Japan that seemed to be kind of on the upswing, a lot of attention on Kenta Mihara, and they're potentially willing to sell the WWE or at least put together a deep partnership with WWE. Like that leads me to believe that that scene as a whole is not all that healthy. Right. Um, and I think some of that is because our favorite new Japan is, is taking everyone's wrestling time and wrestling dollars. And like that works for me, but um, someone who's a fan of Noah or dragon gate or um, I mean, especially all Japan right now, and we just saw Wrestle One basically sit fold. Um, I think that there's probably some fear on that on that level. Yeah, and I think too one of the another difference between like the Japan scene and the UK scene. I think like we've seen with the UK, a lot of those promotions were kind of happy with the opportunity of working with WWE and potentially being featured on the WWE network. We've seen in Japan a lot of promotions kind of stiff arm and kind of reject and or decline working with WWE. So it seems like a lot of the promotions there, they want to stick to their tradition. Um, they don't want their kind of structure being changed by WWE. So it could be one of those situations where even with NXT Japan coming in, the other promotions might kind of band together somewhat to kind of keep them at arm's length and not completely take over the scene. 
Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility too. And and Okada even had mentioned like the Super Show with the uh, Olympics and stuff happening. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see what the NXT Japan model is if it does come to fruition here too. Because um, it's it's just kind of, it's tougher to break into a scene that's so established as opposed to take over a scene um by eliminating everyone in in um in the uk yeah which kind of plays into the next question we have here from reddit user t flares says with nxt japan slowly becoming a thing ugh how do you think this will impact big events like wrestle kingdom and multiple days events like g1s and the tag tournaments i mean i don't think wwe would be bold enough to try to counter program wrestle kingdom yeah um but what we did see was um noah ran at the same time as wrestle kingdom and sold out cork and hall um this just this past year so i don't doubt that they would do i mean wrestle kingdom has become like wrestlemania weekend um there are so many shows and it's you know it's all the japanese promotions um everyone who's anyone's running the show that that weekend because you're capitalizing on everyone traveling in um would they run a show during that weekend yeah probably because you'd get some u.s fans that'll pop their head in and and go see what's going on in in nxc japan and, and i don't think there's any shame in that um i think that's good business but multi-day events i mean i think the g1 the tag tournaments i think new japan is so set in their schedule um you know barring you know, virus outbreaks um, that they they're going to keep doing what they do. And, and again, they're the big dog in this fight. Like they are um, they're essentially the the WWE. Um, and I, I don't think that NXT Japan is the AEW. Right. And I mean, and like you mentioned, New Japan, they're they're so well booked ahead of time with buildings. They have everything kind of locked in place. You know, the buildings there know New Japan. I've done I'm, want to do business with new japan i'm not sure what kind of size buildings nxt japan will be able to run or what even their model is going to be because they do like the nxt uk model they're just doing like you know one or two dates a month and kind of doing these tv tapings and then every three or four months there's a random takeover that kind of pops up so i don't even know like how many live events are actually going to try and run or they're going to do these like mini tv tapings and then every once in a while do a NXT TakeOver Tokyo or whatever and try to run a, a bigger card. So I don't know. I don't think they're going to have much of an impact at all on a Wrestle Kingdom, a G1, or any of the kind of tournaments there. Maybe for, like, the smaller shows, I don't know if they're doing, like, a Cork and Hall week and then WWE's running Ota War Gym or something like that. Maybe one of the smaller shows that might, there might be some competition there. But for the bigger shows, I think New Japan's pretty set. I think the language barrier is going to get in the way um, because running NXT UK was an easy transition for them. Everyone speaks English. Um, I think that, I mean, I've never seen anything on the WWE network that's primarily in a different language. So yeah. I, I'll be curious to see how they handle that in a sense of um, either taped or live content. Yeah, and just too, just like, is there going to be English commentaries? Is it going to be Japanese commentary? Just what, they're, what the whole model and structure is going to look like. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks that kind of need to be answered to see, like, how this thing 
is really going to perform. Yeah. So next question from Reddit user Rambone Slam Pig says, which wrestler do you think is most hurt by this downtime? Is there anyone who's starting to build up momentum who might struggle to pick back up? What do you think? Uh, I, mean, I think a guy like maybe a Toa Hanare, who we've, we've mentioned several times on this show, I uh, feel like even though we mentioned he hasn't really been completely on the winning end, they have put him in you know some positions to kind of shine and I think the New Japan Cup would have been a great opportunity for him to kind of shine. I think a guy like him just needs a lot of reps and just needs to kind of get out there and just show how he's improving. So I think, yeah, being off for this month um, might hurt him a little bit. I'm sure he's still training and doing other stuff, but got kind of built. I felt like he's kind of been on a roll kind of these first two months and so kind of slow down there. And I'm sure like a lot of the young lions are in, are in Japan right now. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm guessing they're still training at the dojo, but you know, I feel the young lions is definitely important for their career growth to be getting these reps in. I actually think that the person that is hurt the most by this is Naito. Mm. Just because he's a hot champ. He's selling tickets. He's doing great. And then you just, you got to put a hard stop on it. And that's um, not to say that he won't, you know, rebuild that momentum, you know, probably immediately. But um, he was, uh, he was making believers out of people that didn't think he could be, or didn't think he would be a, a strong champion. So um, a shame to see that that um, this kind of first part of the year didn't get to kind of be seen through all the way, um, especially with something like the anniversary show and, um, whoever he was going to defend against said secure Genesis. I think that um, he has all the momentum in the world. And, and um, you know, like I said, like this, this stopping point worked in new Japan's favor um, in the sense that it's, a, it's definitely a reset time period for them. Um, the new Japan cup was going to reset pretty much everything. They had some, some minor feuds set up already, but um, we were going to see those evolve. So I think that, um, I think that the, the person at the top holding the belts, um, you know, people are going to look back at this rain and uh, pretty critically. And I think that potentially they're going to look back at this rain and say, well, you know, he didn't defend forever because right. they were off and, and all that. So, but I hope everyone's getting anyone who needs to, I hope they're getting healthy. Right. And yeah, I hope this will be a great I hope, time. Yeah. I hope they come back and they come back just hot and, and ready to just like go at it. So. Um, I think that that may be the ultimate benefit of this is that like some of these guys are going to come back and they're going to have all their their nicks and bruises all all squared away and they're going to be 100 the whole roster is going to be 100 percent and that's probably a position that they don't get to be in very often. Yeah, and for Naito, even though yeah, it's kind of the break in the in the title reign. Once again, I feel like March was a kind of a good month for that to happen. Really, only missing the big Hiromu match. Because the New Japan Cup, he was not. He's probably just going to be in undercards with the Lij guys that are in the tournament, and then he would have a secure Genesis match. So as of right now, it's. I don't think Naito was completely hurt from like a scheduling standpoint, but if we do miss secure Genesis, that could definitely hurt the title reign. Yeah. So also, he asked, "Did you see the Empty Arena Stardom show? Do you think NJPW might have to do something like that if the public health panic continues in Japan? Might they run a foreign tour instead?" What happens if this drags out for months? So we talked about, yeah, you saw the, the Stardom show. Um, do you think NJPW could pull off a, an empty arena match? And we kind of talked about it not being good for business, but do you think they could pull it off? 
I mean, I think they've got the talent, right? They've got the wrestlers to do it. Um, I I don't know that it's worthwhile. Um, and I, I, I don't know how much those guys um, feed off the crowd, right? I mean, like, I I see that the the thing about stardom is that like their drawing numbers are much lower than new Japan Corican. Um, they're not pulling in, you know, typically they're not pulling in quite as many people. They, they just recently started to plateau over a thousand tickets sold um, for their Corkins. So they are used to smaller crowds. So to be in front of essentially nobody, not to say that's not different, but, um, they're not so dependent on these kind of full big buildings to um, build out a great show. So, um, you know, I think that I think that they could pull it off if they put together the right matches, but it's always going to feel kind of goofy. And that's not really New Japan's style. Um, you know, I mean, look at you look at DDT and they did an empty Tokyo Dome match with with Suzuki a couple of years ago. And like that's their style to do some, something completely out of the box. And and it's kind of gimmicked in that way. And, and you know, the stardom stardom pulled it off more seriously than I thought they were going to. But but again, I think they're used to um, smaller, potentially quieter crowds, um, whereas I think some of these guys, especially um you know, especially some of the guys that are dependent on those big moments in their matches, I think they may have a tough time um, kind of um, hulking up for nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing, doing their and, fighting and, spirit. <laughs> yeah. And it, it would change the pacing of, of the matches and, and things of the sort. I mean, like there's a reason that these guys really only go when there's, there's people in the crowd. So um, I don't think they're having, I mean, the, the young lions aside, I don't think a lot of people are having empty dojo matches, um, uh, where they're doing chop battles. So, um, at least not the, not the guys higher up the card. So yeah. I would be, I would be interested to see it, but, um, I, I'm a skeptic. Yeah. And then I, I think running a foreign tour could be a good idea if this runs for months, but I just don't know, like how quickly they'd be able to kind of get stuff booked, either whether it's going to be here in the U.S. or maybe if they go to the U.K. or go to Australia. I just don't know, like, how that would look, trying to get buildings kind of last minute. Especially, there, I mean, there are other countries that are that are canceling stuff. And, I mean, even here in the States, um, we are canceling big events. I mean, South by Southwest just got canceled a few days ago. I mean, there's been questions about WrestleMania being canceled. Um, and, obviously, there's still cases of the coronavirus kind of, going all over in different multiple different countries. So booking a foreign tour might be hard depending on where they book it and um, yeah, where are looking to go. Yeah. And I think new Japan's pretty steadfast in their planning too. So um, I think if they've got something on the books, they're going to continue to try to execute that. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, they're not going to try to, they're not going to get in the way of the Madison square garden show. Right, they're not going to book around it, so they that takes out essentially the entire East Coast market, probably, unless they're trying to put something together, um, like in the next month, and and even that, like that would be a, a booking nightmare um, from it, from a logistics standpoint, like booking venues and hotels for all these guys and all that. So, yeah. um, I know that they've, you know, I've heard, I've heard they've got some plans for some bigger U.S. shows. I've heard they've got some plans for the U.K. 
um, but much later in the year um, to the point where they, you know, obviously haven't announced anything yet. And I think they're going to try to just stick to the plan and try to come back as soon as as soon as it's safe. Um, they're going to try to come back, and and I think that that's probably that's really the new Japan way, right? To, right. Yeah. To stay steadfast and 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 stay strong in in your belief that you know the plan that you have in place will um will be fruitful once you're able to execute it so and i kind of hope that's the way they go yeah and i think as far as like booking shows i feel like they might have an easier time if they wanted to book more shows i think they would have an easier time like booking a cork and hall to make up for some stuff or some other buildings in japan than rather trying to come to like the u.s or uk and trying to book like you mentioned hotels and all the, the flights and all that stuff that comes with that yeah, and I, you know, I know, I know, Corkin is booked out probably pr- pretty much the whole year. But it would be interesting to see them run like the early slot on a Corkin, right? Um, yeah, the the eleven thirty a.m. on a Sunday instead of the night slot because someone's already booked. Like, I think that would be interesting, and I think that'd be an interesting way to get a couple more shows on the books if that's what they got to do. And I, I would bet that that's more of what's available than 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 the nights because everyone's trying to run Corkin. Yeah. Um, so another question here about um, the empty arena from Reddit user PSAN91. Do you think New Japan should do the same as Stardom and do a behind-closed-door show and put it on YouTube for free to get new people interested in a time where there aren't any live events? I just I don't think that's the way to get people interested in, in what they do. Um, I think that they should put some great matches on YouTube for free um, or even just a full great show. Um, shoot put at this point put wrestle kingdom up on youtube for free um you know night one night two get people get people into it that's that's recent enough that you'd be able to catch up by just watching those shows um i mean do it until you're back and you're generating more revenue again um and and maybe maybe you'll get a bunch of new japan subscribers so i don't know i mean like that's um that's a tough business call but i don't know that live content is the is the way to do it yeah i feel like for New Japan, like you mentioned, it'd be to truly get somebody's interest. It, yeah, a free match or a free show would be the way to go because the empty arena is not gonna fully grasp somebody to what New Japan, the atmosphere, like how it's really like. So, I would stick either do free shows, free shows, free matches, or put up some of that content from the NJPW Together project. Put up some of the archives on there and kind of hook people that way. Uh, next question here from Reddit user Baby Whack: Where does Naito get his tailoring done? Is it custom? And since Samsa is a stats guy, what color suit has the highest winning percentage? White, black, red? Did he wear red? Um, so yeah, I know nothing <laughs> about Naito's tailoring. I have no idea if it's custom or not. I'm thinking maybe it is, since he has you know the cape and all. Um, and I, I don't know if you have a, a section in your stats for, um, the, the suit color. Uh, I don't, <laughs> and I won't. And, um, I know there are people on the internet that track things like that. Um, and not to big league anybody, but I will not be going far back in the archives and looking at Naito's <laughs> suit color. Um, my bet would be though, that his tailor is uh his, his tailoring is all custom and um my bet would be he's got someone who's who's very invested because he's got some he's had some pretty intricate stuff over the years yeah 
and his pants open from the side. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely some custom stuff there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the real deal. That's custom stuff. And, it, you know, you'd never know it until he starts very slowly uh, peeling off the, the Velcro on down the side. Uh, next question here from Reddit user Brian James Interactive. Uh, hope I get this in time for the recording. Realize I may miss the boat. Been on my mind for a while. I've been pretty on research-wise with the continued spread of the coronavirus, and it's my thoughts slash expectation that shows may continue to be canceled for up to a year, given the measures some countries are needing to go to. My question is, in a worst-case situation of, say, six months of continued disruption, how can New Japan feasibly make sure to keep their momentum Wrestling is a unique that is uh, constantly uh, mutating live absorbed stories. So there's there must be a complete break of six months. Do you think there might be considerable drop off of fans given the relatively broken story? What could they do to combat this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, like this is a it's a weird situation. It's a really weird situation. We're gonna look back at this in. 10 or 15 years and 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 this is going to be kind of one of those things that we remember like ah it's 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 like the 1994 world series that never happened right like it it might turn into the you know the year that either has a lot of starts and stops or the new japan cup that never happened or the g1 that happened in october right it's all going to be it's kind of a wacky year to begin with right yeah but with that said if Tokyo is hosting the Olympics, there can be some pro wrestling shows. Yeah. Like that, that I truly believe if they are willing to say it's safe for the Olympics to come here for everyone to travel here, um, for, uh, you know, international travelers to come to see it, international athletes to come and participate. If Tokyo can run the Olympics, and I think that is truly the priority and why that they're taking Japan was the first country that we saw take this um, extremely seriously outside of China. Um, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And if when those Olympics go live, I think so does the Hokkaido tour. I think so does all of the, the shows, uh, all of the pro wrestling you could ever want. That was, that was booked to be in and around Japan at that time. So I think that six months is, I mean, I guess that's a little less than six months away at this point. Um, if they're dark until then, I, you know, I'd be really curious to see how they're going to build it back up. Um, but they're going to have to do some stuff that's really fan friendly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, and they're, they're still going to have a tough time getting the drawing power back up immediately. People are going to, people are not going to go out like they, um, like they had been. I think there's going to be it's going to be a maybe not necessarily a slow grow, but you're going to have to build back up to that. And um, but they're going to have to do some stuff that's super fan friendly. That's very thankful for for fans to stick with them. And I think they will. I think that they know that. Um, I think that they've shown that they um, they respect their fans health and well-being and time and they appreciate the everything that their their fans both in the in the west and in japan have done for them so um i think that um there may i wouldn't call it a considerable drop-off but i think you might see some drop-off in 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 live gates and i think you might see um the opportunity to you know grow and, and and build back um you know pretty quickly by um giving them some pretty big payoffs 
Yeah, and I think with, you know, that huge of a break, there's definitely some ways to shift things around where they can come back immediately with, like, a, a super card-type show and have, like, a big show with some big title matches. I think that would, you know, generate interest to kind of bring people back in. But, yeah, six months is a long time, and so going to be praying and hoping it's not that long and that things will get started back up soon, maybe just even next month here in April, and then kind of go from there. Uh, next question from Reddit user Bravo Tango Zulu. With Nakanishi retired, who will be Nagata's main tag team partner? A young lion like Suji? Someone whose last world tag league partner is currently tag team champion with someone else like Kanare? Someone different or nobody? I don't know. I think he might rotate the young lions for a little bit. Um, I don't see him picking up another like core, you know, dad tag guy. Um, I hope not someone like Hanari. Like I said earlier, I, I want to see him get out of that mix, get out of that young lion and old, old dad's mix. But um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's interesting that Nagata is coming over to do the ring of honor tour or the ring of honor. The, the pure tournament um tournament um you know yeah the pure tournament i think that um i think he you know he may be on one of his last uh you know maybe two years i don't know i think they're going to keep doing these kind of february retirements um and he's one of the last of that generation still going so um it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do with him and and where he lands and and who he kind of buddies up with yeah, I think there's probably a potential for him and Kojima to team more. I know Tenzon is still there, but Tenzon's in pretty rough shape himself. And we did see on the new beginning in USA towards Nagata and Kojima team up. So I think for like a, a World Tag League, we could see Nagata Kojima with that multiple date tour of those two guys kind of teaming together as a main team there. Which I'm all in on more Kojima. Yeah, Morkajima is always fine. Then last question here from Reddit user DomHomie101. Would you guys rather have a shitty wrestling match with a great buildup, or would you rather have a great wrestling match with a shitty buildup? He says, who else is going through an NJPW withdrawal? Um, Most of us. Um, I don't think a great wrestling match with a shitty buildup exists. Mm, I'm trying to think. I don't. I just. I don't think it happens in a vacuum like that. Right. Yeah, I guess it all plays together. Yeah, I guess it just depends on how. Because I know for you, you said like you 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 can't just watch a match of the year kind of candidate in a vacuum and be like, all right, five stars. Like you got to need the whole thing. And so I don't know. I'm thinking kind of like so. For example, like the Cody and Sean Spears match. I felt like that match had a great build. But then when the match, I don't think the match delivered to the build. Um, I agree. So in a situation like that, like I would, I think I would rather have a bad buildup and then the show comes in the match is like five st- or, or four and a half, whatever. It's a great match because the, the, the last memory you have is like, all right, th- that match was great. The other way around, like the buildup happens, but then you remember the crappy match they had and it was like, yeah, those promos are great, but then they went out there and, you know, it was, uh, you know, Gentleman's 3 match. So, uh, that's that's how I, w- I would go with it. I agree. I do think that bad wrestling matches with good builds exist. Yeah. Um, 
I just, I have a, it's just, it's, it's never been how I've watched wrestling. And I, you know, I live in this world of kind of wrestling media, which is all it's matches, you know, it's all matches, match of the year, this stars that, um, and I, I love it. I pay so much attention to it. It's just not how I choose to look at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know which of these I would rather have. I mean, I, I really enjoy, um, good buildups, um, but it is, it's, it's all encompassing. Right. I mean, like even back to the rock and stone cold, Steve Austin, right. Or the rock and Hogan or Cena and the rock and, and all those kind of WrestleMania matches, like those wrestling matches, like no one's giving those wrestling matches, even the gentleman's three. If you're just watching it as a match, you watch Hogan and rock on mute. And like, what are you watching? You're watching some weird old dude with bad hair and the rock <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of go after it. And like, but you watch it with the sound turned on and with some understanding of how they got there and you're going to pay it some deference. Right. So I don't know this is tough. I love this question. This is a, it's a fun one for me because of, um, you know, that because I can't just watch a match and it's probably because I'm just like I've never tuned myself into watching wrestling that way which is just like the pure physicality and the beautiful you know kind of violent dance of it like I need I need some some story but not Gato all the time um so it's cool this is a cool question I, I will think about this question more and probably um you know, message down homie one one on, on Reddit. So, cause I, yeah. I like this one a lot. Yeah. I think the hard thing with this is like, either way, I feel you're kind of wasting time. Like if you have a bad bill, you're enduring and wasting time watching this bad bill to finally get to that great match. And then the other way around, like you spent so much time invested in the great build and then the match happens and it was a waste of time. So it's like Either or is like not perfect, but yeah, I definitely lean on. I'd rather just have the great matchup because at least I can say, "All right, I endured all that pain." And I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess uh, it's all about what you remember last, right? Yeah, so I guess yeah. I guess the 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 good match with the with the bad build will still outweigh the um, good build with the bad match. Yeah, because so, because there's nothing worse than a payoff that's not a payoff. Yeah. All right, that's it for all the questions. Thanks to everybody who submitted. And then last thing here before we go, recommended match of the week. So my recommended match of the week for you guys to watch is Kazuchika Okada versus Katsuyori Shibata from Sakura Genesis 2017. Shibata winning the New Japan Cup that year, going to Sakura Genesis to challenge Okada um, in his last match in New Japan. Just an epic classic, a... Um, you know, one for the books. If you have not seen this match, you definitely need to watch that this week. With a great build. Yes, it's a great, great build and a great match. So you won't waste your time watching this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before, before we get out of here, Chris, uh, give your plugs to the people where they can find you online. Sure. Best place to find me online is on Twitter at the Chris Samsa. That's the C H R I S S A M S A. Um, my website is sportofprowrestling.com where I cover um, New Japan. All my New Japan stats are there going back to G1 stats and um, current stats and 2019 stats and uh, pretty much everything you could ever want to know about their in-ring, uh, wrestlers in-ring performances. Um, and then I cover New Japan for 
voices of wrestling and i provide um statistical content and and some history and research for the english broadcast team and i cover aew for pw torch uh, with a weekly column over there all of it branded under the sport of pro wrestling column nice so tons of places to find chris check out his work and thanks again man for filling in for the young boy this week yeah, thanks for having me. I cannot believe we got almost three hours out of uh, uh, nothing. I know. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, how did we just do a three-hour show? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, because I'm here. I'll yeah. do our marathons with you guys. Yeah, man. Brought, that's what I said. I brought the heavy hitter in, the big draw, the main eventer. Uh, Jeez, I don't know about all that, but man, I, I mean, good time. I, I just, I told my wife, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know even how we're going to get two hours out of this thing. And here we are looking at. Yeah, she's probably like, where the, where the heck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, next week, the, the young boy will be back. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Hopefully, there's something, some kind of news of what's going on with the, the future plans. Maybe there will be a show or something. Hopefully there will be something, but once again, next week we'll be back and we'll put together a show of something. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation, visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Also follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook. We are facebook.com. Slash Social Suplex Also in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group Facebook.com Slash Wrestling Squared Circle On Instagram We are at Social Suplex On Reddit I'm the pro black guy Josh is keeping it strong style You can email me Jeremy at Social Suplex.com We also just launched A Social Suplex uh, Discord server So if you're on Discord And want some more Wrestling chatter Hop on over to the Social Suplex Discord uh, check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have Punishing Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have Grown Men Watch This Shit. Ricky and Clive is taking a little uh, hiatus right now, so hopefully those guys will be back soon. On uh, Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd, Tiffany, and Amy. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.